Welcome, everybody, to the Faking Notes podcast. Our next guest is a dear friend of Drew and I's. We actually had a class together. She was in the cool kids group, so obviously we we hung out all the time. And what, what she's done is really interesting in that she lives in two different artistic worlds. Neither is a hobby. Both are really taking off. She's pursuing both music and comedy. Uh, we've got clips of her stand-up playing throughout the show, so if you, you hear someone who's actually funny, that is uh, clips from her set. And if you've heard her in Broadway pits, she performs frequently with various new music ensembles. Uh, she was on recently on a tiny desk, and she's performed in the background of a number of groups on things actually people listen to, like The Tonight Show. And uh, speaking of that, huge news. Tomorrow, March 11th, 2020, she is in fact doing a quick set on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. So if you're hearing this the day it comes out, make sure to tune in to Jimmy Fallon tomorrow, March 11th, 2020, and to listen to to her do her type five. As she might be the first person to be a, both a music performer and to do a comedy set. I don't know. Uh, we don't we don't fact check anything here. Make sure to follow all of her social handles and website for future shows. But enough of me talking. And to steal the tagline from her website, funny comedian, serious musician, Isabel Hagen. <laughs> Some people ask me, oh, Isabel, you do comedy and you play viola. Do you ever do comedy and play viola? And I say, no, because uh, I'm a very serious musician and a very funny comedian. And I don't think they would mix. <laughs> but then I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I'm going to humor those people. And if you, if you don't mind, I'm going to try playing a, no, it's okay. It's very exciting. I'm going to try playing a, a little viola and then doing a little stand-up and see how it, how it goes, all right? context individual mm, yes so it's not necessarily <laughs> what you say but it's how you say it and mm. i've always noticed that about you wow thank you for noticing that you're welcome <laughs> it never, comes across in your video the, the, the skits that. that you do right, it's, right it's all in like the way you hold your head where you like rub your arm i like 
noticed that. That's my arm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's also just, that's just like for the flex. Just oh, you guys share a microphone? Box. That's so adorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're working on the third microphone budget. Right yeah, now. The, it's split cut custody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is. I would have nice wanted. I would have wanted in the divorce, but it's but fucking attorney. It's, it's all you can really do. It's just shit. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, welcome, welcome oh. to, to the, the faking, faking notes podcast. podcast. By this point, we've already introduced you, so right. they already know everything about you. And have already uh, liked and subscribed that smash button um, oh. on all of your social platforms and w- whatevers. So, um, if only there was a real life smash button. I was gonna say a smash there button. There is violence. Well, there should be a smash button that just automatically subscribes everyone to all of my things. Oh. It's the smash <laughs> yeah. button. Just yeah. smash mm. that smash button. Smash You'll get smash the button. YouTube, Instagram. Oh, you know, you know, that's actually really smart. Aggregate. That could be a really good app. So if you really like one, it's like close Service. friends. You, you press it and then boom, uh, you're at their next they're at their next show. 15% off. Someone's, well, go ahead. Someone's going to listen to this and create it before you can, Drew. I see the I'm gears turning. I'm never going to make it, but I'm an ideas guy. <laughs> well, Mark, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a frequent listener, so he's definitely uh, yes. like, yeah. But wouldn't that be cool? You have like a QR code. And I know there are some forms of this for musicians. But like a QR code that takes you to like a page where you could just hit a button and you're subscribed to their podcast, or subscribe to their, and then you get to choose the parameters as the person who puts that link out there. And then people can just choose to like be plugged in all of your channels. That would be You really just got to get a tattoo of a QR code on your face. Oh, is so that the new they can just SoundCloud? It? Yeah, it's a new channel. SoundCloud. Well, my, my oh, SoundCloud URL is just too fuck. long, so it looks it looks a little weird. You could it's tattooed on my butt. What if it was in like ink that didn't show except with a black light kind of thing, oh, you know? Oh, and then you take your phone and, and scan it. Like, <laughs> it's scan. there. Well, that yeah. could be like future. those like celebrity oh. deterrent things where they wear jackets that light up. So what if you just tattooed that on your face so that every time tattooed they're trying to take photos of you, it blows up the flash. Wait, there's celebrity deterrent. Like they sell like clothing, and like apparently, like when you just take any like photo, I don't know if it's flash or what have you, but for paparazzi, it like blows up. So that your photo image. doesn't come out well. Yeah, it all looks terrible. Oh it man, looks terrible. are celebrities really doing this? As like no a idea. fuck, they're like fuck you, you don't get your photo. I have no idea. I've like, heard about like Daniel Radcliffe and a couple others where they just always wear the same outfit in public. So that, so that they, they can't, can't sell it because you don't really know what day oh, it is. Or see, what I already doing. do that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Is, is that you know dress for the job you want, which is to be a, a celebrity, celebrity that can't have their paparazzi photos sold. That is there the goal. Go. Hell yeah! <laughs> we promise we will not sell the photos we take today. Please um, sell them for too much money. For too much, we'll get we'll get you on the back end. Don't okay, great. So before we started the podcast, we were talking about something. And it was going really well. Oh. And then Trevor was like, stop talking. I'm not going to As the producer, I'm just like, shut up. No more good conversation. Now I forgot where we no were. Well, I remember. I got remember? it. Okay. Yeah. So we were, while well, we were discussing me. Um, <laughs> of course. Of course. Why else? And, and sort of how, uh, I guess the people know that I'm a, a musician turning into a stand-up comedian and I'm kind of in this transition phase. And I was saying, wow, I don't like... Uh, have as many music gigs anymore and I'm kind of excited about that but it's scary and then you started saying you know we spend so much time uh, on this instrument yeah okay now I remember and yeah. and cue go okay. <laughs> well no we take up see this is why she's one of my favorite people she's so brilliant she can keep 
the flow of conversation in her brain, I just let ideas come to me and then they leave. <laughs> they just like, well, what I was saying- oh, no, Don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, I'm <laughs> two hours of sleep as well. But what, what I really wanted to know, because I feel, I felt some of these things as well. Uh, maybe viola isn't the only thing that I want to do, but spending so much of your life cultivating that art, what is it like to really see something else arise and then cultivate that? Well, people have asked me like, oh, do you feel like it was a waste going to Juilliard and spending all that time and like now you're going to do something else? like comedy and writing and like first of all I'm still gonna play music like Mm -hmm. the show I'm writing is about being a violist Uh, I'm starting to do viola in my comedy like it's all part of the same thing and even if I were completely giving up music which I have thought about as a fantasy because like God, wouldn't that be great? Um, Say it again. Say it again. (laughs) Slower. Even if I did, I always say this to people because people always ask me. No, I've said this twice before. uh, That (laughs) discipline is like transferable. So going to Juilliard or whatever school and learning a specific skill really well, that's so valuable. Whether or not Mm -hmm. you have, even if you never do that skill again, it's just learning how to get good at something and how to focus. And I've completely transferred that into my pursuit of stand-up comedy, like knowing like, okay, I got to go to open mics every day, even if I don't want to. And I know that feeling of not wanting to do something, but doing it anyway from all my time practicing viola. Because, God, I never wanted to do that, but I did. <laughs> yeah. And why? I mean, maybe I'm, you know, a masochist, but, <laughs> but I mean, you know, so that In comedy, it's, it's like that, like the going up to open mics. Mm-hmm. Um, on a consistent basis. And that's even kind of what the, the hard part about that is that I guess the only or a more comparable thing would be like the conductor and that your practice is in front of people. And that's right. even that's music. You know, we can go hide away, hide away, hide away one one show a month. You go out and lay it on the line. But for comedy, you've you got to go up there in front of people to really test things out and know if it works. Right. It's, I think what I find so beautiful about stand-up is that like the failure is so allowed because it's, mm-hmm. it's necessary. And the failure is allowed in music too, but they don't, no one wants to say that. Not to that degree. Yeah, like Ooh. if you perform and you fail yeah. and it, like, it goes badly on the viola, let's say, that's totally allowed and necessary to like get better at performing, but your teachers are going to be like, man, like you, yeah. you messed up, so you didn't make this competition, or you didn't, better luck next time. And it's treated as like just wrong, wrong, wrong. Whereas yes. like when I bomb at stand-up, like it really sucks. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, man, am I good at this? But in general, like anytime I come off stage, any comedian who was in the room who saw my set was like, mm-hmm. that's what happens. That's just keep going. Like everyone is. Really? Oh. Yeah. And also you hear in interviews all of like, the greats and the people we hear in specials in every course, interview they yeah. talk about continually still bombing still when they're failing still and you yeah. don't hear uh, a lot of the greats in music coming out and praising the bomb no oh, the bomb yeah. is you're right it's not praised yeah. although it probably still happens on a, mm-hmm. on a lesser degree but Re- very recently, <laughs> yeah. Seattle Symphony audition. Yeah, and you made a post about it, and I thought that was so cool because it's just like, look, this is what happens. Mm, like, it why? It's nothing it to be ashamed of. It, and it, it hurts. It hurts so much. Oh, yeah. And every time I bomb in stand up, like, it hurts a little yeah. or a lot, depending on the stakes, but yeah. but it's still like completely normal and yeah. allowed, and you're human. And I'm, what is it like? Isn't that very healthy, though, taking it on the chin? 
Like yes. taking the L's on the chin and like, ooh, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, she, she almost took the L trying to get on the couch. Trying to get on the couch with this bone in his mouth. But um, can you speak to that a little bit more about like what are some, like when, especially when you were starting, um, had you written material beforehand or were you just getting up and just figuring out what to say? I wrote a lot beforehand. Really? Everyone has a different approach. Uh-huh. I'm much. I'm a, very much a planner. Like I was cool. saying, like I don't know if I'm gonna be funny on your podcast, guys. Because like I, I you all better my... be. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, guys, <laughs> we uh, demand funny. Welcome to my TED Talk. Funny on tap. I want your podcast to just be you guys demanding funny. Demanding. Yeah, right now. <laughs> joke. Funny. Every now. response. Funny. Just, Give us jokes. Just hit the smash button yeah. and the joke comes out. <laughs> I need joke. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. What did you ask? Uh, it was like <laughs> when you were beginning and getting oh. your feet wet in that. Yeah. So I would write it out. And, and at first I wrote like everything word for word. And then you yeah. realize that that's usually not a, a great approach. Whereas now I do a, a halfway thing when I'm trying new stuff where I'll write I'll write it all, say it all in my head, and then I'll write a couple yeah. keywords and maybe yeah. like one punchline that I want worded exactly that way. Mm-hmm. But then I go on stage and I'm like loose with it to see what happens, and then yeah. I and I record every set and then I listen back. Mm-hmm. And once I've said it once on a stage, then I start like actually choreographing it and seeing what you know what works. And that stuff. sounds so fun. How do you uh, thing to point back to your previous point is that you're not just going in this willy nilly. These are similar practice strategies that you get from all other sorts of fields and arts to go back, self-tape, trying things out. Yeah, and I wish, oh man, like now that I've, I'm so used to listening to my voice and my jokes and it's just routine to be like, that sucked, what can I change? If I had done that like every day with viola, I think I would be so much better. And I still, like just listening back is so So eye-opening and it's always, Especially with viola, I remember I'd be like, man, that that was out of tune, and but I really nailed that part. And then I'd listen back, and the part I thought I nailed actually wasn't that good. <laughs> and actually, it was pretty in tune. Yeah. So, like, you can't trust yourself until, like, the recording is king. And it, the same yeah. thing happens with comedy now. I'll be like, oh, I killed. And I listen back, and it's like, eh, it wasn't that great. But same with, oh, that was, like, the worst bomb of my life. And then it's like, no, it was actually fine. Yeah. It's an equalizer. It's like it keeps yeah. you keeps you at like kind of this doesn't lie mid like this neutral state of just like I'm going, I'm okay. Yeah, you're I'm grinding. not the best, I'm not the worst. Yeah. You know. It's never as good as you think, but it's also never as bad as you think. Never. Think Sometimes it is, but very yeah. rarely. <laughs> very rarely. <laughs> Having flashbacks yeah. to past auditions. Uh, that's so funny because when I when I was preparing for the Juilliard audition, that was the first time I'd started posting things on Instagram. This is like early 2014. And from then on, I got in the habit of of playing and practicing Mm -hmm. in front of a camera to the point where like now I started to notice things when they, problems, when they happened immediately. It made me so much better. I stopped doing it recently. (laughs) Well, because it hurts. And 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 I'm busy too, like I'm not, I didn't have anything to do right. <laughs> when I was a student, you know? <laughs> yeah, so Instagram actually really improved your playing. Oh, 100 fit. That's why I made Play Homie Play. That's the reason. Right. I wanted kids to feel comfortable to do it because it was so healthy. And I wanted to find a way to incentivize them to do it just by creating a community of people that were doing it. 
Yeah, and I, I also noticed, like, at, at Juilliard, I mean, Heidi, mm-hmm. so Drew and I were in the same studio. Hell, yeah, we had studio callback both, teachers. Both teachers, we both, we had uh, the the wonderful, mystical, magical Heidi Castleman, mm-hmm. and the ferocious, talented... Uh, Very scary. <laughs> other, other but but equally, equally amazing, yeah, Sinian yeah, yeah. Huang. Oh, what a beast. Oh, but I remember her studio was, because was, I had a different teacher in undergrad, and I didn't um, know that. yeah, and and he was great, but he didn't have the same system of like all the practice performances, which mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people at Juilliard had in general. I think we were mm-hmm. very lucky to get that in Heidi's, because I feel like at Juilliard, some and probably at a lot of music schools, you like practice, practice, practice alone, and then you have this one performance, and that's why when it goes badly, it's such a terrible. Yeah. Just travesty. You mm-hmm. just want to kill yourself. You're like, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what I, do I why, do? Why do I even do I, play music? And it's because yeah. here, you haven't practiced yeah. performing. Yeah. So. And but with all of this Instagram stuff, like lately, like I'll I'll do little videos of me playing. I play gigs all the time. Like mm-hmm. each performance just carries less weight. And so that's actually helped me like not be as nervous. And yeah. But yeah, even something as like, you know, it's funny to think that Instagram like helped with yeah. that, but it really with anxiety, but it really has for me, and, and especially for you with with the amount you were active on it, and are still, you know. Yeah, I still I still do a couple of reps every once in a while. But <laughs> can you speak more to like how it's helped you with your comedy? I really how love- Instagram has helped. Yeah. Well, um, or if it has, or Twitter, or how is yeah, social media well, social? I mean, I honestly, I always say this to people: if I wasn't a performer, I would get rid of all my social media. I would just email people and text and call people I love. And I, I it makes me so, um, it's too much information at yeah. once. Our, our, our minds are, are, what am I trying to say? Antiquated pieces of hardware. They're yeah. not <laughs> suited for this amount of information coming in. That being said, I need to have Instagram and Twitter and all of that. And Twitter is good. It, keep, it encouraged me to sort of like just write a joke on the spot and like throw it out there and see and get immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. So that's been nice. Yeah. And just sort of getting my right. I don't tweet as much as I ought to, but and then (laughs) Instagram, you know, honestly, I'll I'll occasionally post a video of my stand up, but I don't really like to give it away because that material is so precious. That's true. And And you're still working. And I'm still still working on it. Yeah. So I occasionally if I video something and there's like a crowd work moment, that's great because that won't will never happen again Mm -hmm. anyway. Besides that, I use it just to, pr- I'm pretty much promoting shows or posting like hot pictures of myself, Hell you know, yeah, girl. or like, I get it. or sometimes I'll post me like singing or playing viola because people who are interested in my comedy can then go to my page and be like, oh, she also does this. And it gives people the sense that I am well-rounded, which yeah, <laughs> I, I love seeing your videos when you post them oh, thanks. Of, of you playing. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I hope you don't ever stop. Oh, thanks. Well, I hope you don't ever stop. And I do. Do you post a lot of like? Barely. You're not. A, you're not active on there. No. Anymore. I mean, I got them. I'm there. I yeah, do yeah. enough to just hope people like Ben remember I'm in a city, so they'll right. hire me for their jobs. I think social media is at at the very least good to just remind people you exist. That's. I try to. I try to post just enough so that the algorithm reminds people. Like even for this new job, working with your friend Ben, I just. I can. I know for a fact that the reason he thought of me for this position was because he posted up that he was working for this company and had moved it to Los Angeles. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm here. That's like the comment sin. (laughs) And now I'm employed because of that stupid comment. Because anyone else could have done it. He's just, hey, I know him from so-and-so. Oh, he's here? Okay. Do you do this thing? Yes. It's that job. So (laughs) it's part, that's part of like, I think we've taken our consciousness. 
to wow. another plane of existence. Man. One that is within an interconnected, interconnected. web of computers. Computers. And we call it the internet. I think that the internet is a consciousness in a way. Yes. And so when you deliver a sacrifice or maybe, no, uh, no, a donation to that consciousness, mm. people who are there in that realm are able to drink of that and be like, oh, this person's actually in essence in reality as well. And then they reach out. I got so many girls sliding in the DMs, but only Only one of them is named Trevor. Right. <laughs> only when I post. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, how have you been? I miss you. Where, what you've been up to? And it's such a, it's a yeah. balance you want to strike. And I feel like to compare it to like, because you're saying girls sliding into your DMs, when you're trying to find some, find a life partner, let's say, and people, mm. you got to put yourself out there. But it's I was, also like. I was joking about you, the girls part. Oh, but I. Uh, <laughs> it's someone, mostly dudes with kissy faces. As someone in a, a deep pursuit for, for true love. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm always like, how active should I be? Or how much should I just try to not care and hope the universe like brings me somebody? Or uh-huh. I don't know, I'm a little spiritual with that. And it's like, you have to put a little energy out there, but also not force it, especially with a partner. Why are we talking about love now? I don't know. I'm, uh, oh, <laughs> oh you, you, you in love? Well, let's, we, we should not talk yeah, about this. Yeah, we should not. We're going to stop. We're just pretend just we like. Just cut to some like hold music <laughs> while Isabel has a meltdown. <laughs> Okay, and now we're back. After we had a, we just cut a thirty-minute segment. About I'm just trying. Life. I'm trying to find a through line. Okay, I'm, I'm so like doing the some crochet. Oh, I'll find it. Oh, so, so um, crocheting. So yeah, but the same thing with your career. Like, how how much do you? People are saying, oh, you've got to be on social media. You got to just like like a bunch of things. Make sure people yeah. know you're out there. But but as a creative, I feel like sometimes that takes away from like your actual, uh, like creation pro creative process like when i'm posting every day and spending most of my day on my phone mm-hmm. i'm not thinking of new jokes and i'm not nope. in that like space that i get in when i go for like a long walk with no other stimulation besides just whatever's outside in nature so it's like finding because you do have to post and you that's like a grind within itself mm-hmm. but it's like finding I, that balance can i i have a radical radical idea about this because i used to be in that that capitalistic, productive, needing to make content every day or needing to make mm-hmm. possibly two pieces of content a day by myself, only me. Algorithm, trying algorithm. to compete, yeah, trying to compete with algorithms, yeah. trying to compete with people who have entire teams that can help them produce content over time. Right. And I was trying to figure out how to do that. And in that, I got burnt out. And I felt what you were talking about when it comes to your creativity, your ability to write jokes, um, I wasn't really practicing that much. I wasn't getting much better at my instrument. And then I kind of learned that that used to work, that high productivity, it used to work when peop- when everybody wasn't on these platforms. That's right. the problem. That's Everybody's on the platforms now. So you could work as hard as you want and still not reach anybody. You kind of... You were one of the first like Instagram influencers that I even knew of. I happened to know you personally, but even I knew of you before I mm. met you because wow, someone, really? Yeah, because someone was like, "This guy's going to Juilliard next year." Because I was oh, there in undergrad, okay. and we were saying like, "Who's coming for masters?" Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And like someone showed up. I think like Holda pulled up your Instagram. Oh, that's crazy! <laughs> I love her. Yeah, Shout she. Out to Holda. Oh yeah. Shout Holda. out. Shout out. Miss you, girl. I miss but. you too. Um. So anyway. 
But I feel like even when you were doing it not that long ago, like yeah. your your start, there weren't as many people out I there. You were one of like the I don't want to. OGs. You were one of the OGs. Yeah, we could call them that viola OG. A you viola were probably OG. the viola OG. Yeah, I was. I was the <laughs> Safe only viola OG. Well, Soul G. What it was was, I found a community of people who were entrepreneurial minded, who were putting out that content. They saw what I saw, mm-hmm. and so when while everybody was kind of like making fun of us at the time because it was goofy, I admit, like we kind of banded together. And then I kind of learned, and it was a different ecosystem. When you put out content, there was it was more about the art. But now it's just kind of more of, hey, look at me. I'm still existing. It's a really weird, drowned out existence you always feel it's now. similar to what you said before. And I think we're somewhat on a similar wavelength. It's like, you have to do it. It's a business decision. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've had too many examples of where that's been proven right to try to give it up, even though I'd probably love to. And the one thing I'm bumping into now and that we've talked about on here is that I just realized part of what we both want to do is to communicate with more people. And so then it's like even more restrictive. It's like, I really have to use this platform because my whole end game is to talk to people about these things, to be a person, to connect people like now, like this is how people are doing it. So it's it's an inescapable situation. One thing I think, I don't know if it's like a mental framework or something mm-hmm. to switch. And I think at least this podcast has become it. I haven't pushed it onto the social thing uh, into that realm yet. But thinking about these platforms as the creative process, like trying to, so it doesn't feel business. Now, whatever that is, I don't know. But if you if it's being able to be brought into a creative realm and treat it as that like this what i put out on this platform is an output specifically in this way it's the dumb video it's whatever and so like this podcast is at least the first in that output to where most of what people would know me of is like teacher very serious music or serious stuff and i just wanted to talk about uh wieners and, <laughs> right. and other dumb things i heard on other podcasts speaking right. Speaking of, speaking of wieners. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. So you have you have a wiener? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? This is a big reason why I wanted to bring you on as well because uh, you you have a podcast mm-hmm. that you're trying to do, right? I'm, it's not out yet. It's I'm not just, out yet. But it's but that's fine. We can, uh, we can plug I it. To, I wanted to promo. Well, when is this going to come out? Maybe in a... Well, it, we, we can push it. We, we can, can push, push it back. Well, too. you can just... The thing is, you can push it back or just promote my socials and it will be posted on my socials. Mm-hmm. So if okay. you're following me, you'll see the podcast when it's ready. Okay. Yeah. When it's ready. When but it's keep looking, y'all. You better yeah. keep don't looking. Don't keep looking check, for You better it. check every minute. Check every... What is this? Ring that bell. Podcast? Ring the bell. <laughs> love you. <laughs> um, but I'd love to talk about what the podcast yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, tell us yes. about so it's called, um, it's called Just a Stage. Okay. It's a double meaning because the podcast is about performance anxiety and the creative process now. So I was thinking, you know, ah, don't worry about what you're performing on. It's just a stage. But also everything <sighs> in the creative process is a flow and it's temporary and it's just a stage. I love that. Uh, I love that. Ours is kind <laughs> of a metaphor for messing up. <laughs> I like. I really like the uh, the the title of of your podcast. We've already bored our audience with the story, but we had we had set up taking notes. It was going to be very serious, <gasps> and we were always going to do that. And then after we recorded 
five or six episodes to get in the bank, uh, we Googled because it wasn't in any of the podcast stores and apps, but someone else had recorded a hundred episodes. And so I texted Drew. I'm like, oh shit, man, we got a big problem. And then Drew like literally one second later was like, Faking notes, and yeah. I was like, and he was he was hot. It was, so, it was, yeah. It was, I, yeah, I was I was yeah. like about to do my first rehearsal with Kaleidoscope actually. That's hilarious. And I was standing outside with Winton, my roommate, and you texted me that I was like, taking notes, taking notes. What if we change the first letter? Yeah, that's such a high thing. Yeah. Did, you, did you think about what you would change the first letter to, or you were just like, no, like, no, like I'm making, like, I'm making notes? Because I'm a rapper. Oh yeah. Like, what rhymes with yeah. taking? Faking. We spent, we spent Breaking. like Break it. Breaking. months, months back and forth in about Baking. a note. Baking, Baking notes. <laughs> but then it notes of food. I just got like a big craving for like a cupcake. Do you want it? Do you want we to can, do That's what we, we do. I'm trying to think. Yeah, we're oh, going to feed you. Is that what you guys do? Yeah. We, we like do this pot and then we take you out to get some yum yums. Oh my God. We're so going to get some yum yums after whatever this. You're, whatever you're feeding. I will, I will partake in the cupcake with that's you. That's great. Red velvet. Yeah, are, I'm are already seeing it. Are cupcakes even a thing anymore? I don't. Well, this is LA, so it's probably just like kale cakes, uh, right? <laughs> have you um had insomnia cookies before? Yeah, there's oh. one right by my normal comedy place oh, in New York, man. so I frequent it a little. Yeah, a little. Uh, What's a little favorite? bit. What's your my favorite? favorite? Oh, I'm a sucker for M&M. Really? I okay. love M&M's. I love a nice gooey M&M cookie. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of gooey M and M's, your podcast. My podcast. Well, there's not much more to say about it except that I, you know, I, I want to focus mostly on musicians and comedians because that's where I have the the intersection, and I yeah. know so many interesting people who do both. Really? Um, you how, know how many? I mean, how many? How many? <laughs> no, because of course, of course, there's tons of pianists or like songwriters who really focus heavily on comedy. Guitarist, kind of your basic, but as far John as like Mary. classical oh, musicians, no. I don't mean people who do both. Okay, I mean I know so many people. I was about to say that's going to be a. Oh, oh I mis- okay. I'm sorry, I misspoke. I know people who I know so many people who do both. Well, there's really no good way to say. I know so many okay. musicians and I know so many comedians. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why not have them on talk about talk about what the similarities are and then what yeah. some of the vast differences are and. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that it is just a, it's always just a grind and a process that is shared. Like I said, the discipline carries over the, the focus and it skill. Does. The way you guys are sitting right now is so adorable. So, yeah. Drew has his arm around We're a couple. Trevor. Trevor, oh, yes. you've got the dog in we're between. Gonna, I'm going to need you to actually will you go take, take, I will definitely take a photo, take a photo of this. Just, this is such a I feel lovely. Like this is very important. Yeah. To capture this moment. Yeah. yeah. This, this is actually why this you're is, on. We, oh, yeah, we, just, we just, really <laughs> just bring on people to right. take photos of us. Cheese, April 22nd. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the caption is. All right, you can, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We're like a a happy family. Yeah, this is going to be on our Christmas card. Oh, yes, send it. And my family would be like, where's Amy? The Faking Notes Christmas card. (laughs) But actually. Um, Yeah, I think it should be. But actually. He really yips if I don't pet him. Oh, Shiloh. Shiloh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, do you say the dog's so name? And- oh, he was talking about me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now we talk. We 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 like <laughs> criticize him. Our poor, our poor audience always just like hears him and then just like. <laughs> and then he pees on the floor. Oh. And he pees on the floor. <laughs> My friend is trying to lose weight right now. <laughs> she asked me how I stay so skinny. I didn't know what to tell her, because for me, it's just genetics. Like my grandma 
Also starves herself. But Trevor, you're like, you're very funny in like a subtle way that I, I didn't expect. And I remember Drew making a video that both of us were in. Yeah. And you were was, very was Julia, funny in it. The, yeah. Oh, no. Truth and then I was Julia. just talking to Ben Lottie about you because uh-huh. he was saying that he just. And he's hilarious. And, but he honest. was singing your praises. He was like, oh, yes, Trevor, he's a comedian. Yeah. He's uh, funny, <laughs> very funny. And that's why I want to do the podcast with him. He's yeah. trying to, he's he's funny. Just trying to suck me in. <laughs> so. so I think it, I mean, maybe it's just the family, but I've got like a funny family. They're all like sarcastic. They're Southern. Oh, okay. Um, well, one side of my family's very funny. I won't say which. They know. <laughs> but, uh, but something that actually I think we can delve into because you've actually gone out and done it. You are really living this full and whether you call it fulfilling or not, dual tiered system of having your cake and eating it too. Being a musician, doing big things in music, being a comedian doing big things in comedy uh-huh. and like and, and balancing it. It doesn't really seem like one is a side to another. And as the river flows, it might go into, into each more so than the other, but you've actually done it. Uh, how is it trying to balance these things out? Well, I think it helps when one of the things you, I'm, I'm more passionate about currently. If mm-hmm. I were really mm-hmm. equally passionate about both and didn't want to give either one up, I think that would be really difficult because it's yeah. hard to, to straddle. And the music world I uh, circulate within is, you know, the classical music world where not everyone's going to be cool with the jokes I tell. And if they search me on YouTube, they might get uncomfortable. Parents might not want me to teach their children. I think this has happened before. I can't confirm it, but I'm I assume I'm sure. screwed because this podcast um, continues. But for me personally, I don't give a shit because mm-hmm. ultimately I'm becoming Isabel Hagen, who is a comedian and a musician. And anyone who is not cool with the comedian part they can go fuck off. And and Hell also, yeah. like, eventually, Bars. the goal, I mean, I'm being very, uh, I, I, have, I can dream, but the goal is mm-hmm. that I can be my own boss one day, and all the employment I do is going to be my own stuff anyway, so I'm kind of like, well, who cares? If, but that said, like, so many people who hire me for still, like, straight-up classical gigs are like, mm-hmm. I love your comedy, or I've watched your videos, and they're, like, down with it. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's like, I love that, and I'll just find those people and gravitate towards them. 
And then the comedian part, obviously, everyone in comedy, it doesn't go the other way. They think the classical music is like, oh, is it a shoe? Oh, my goodness. Shiloh's upstaging me yet again. I was like, you're just making like a very important and like, and thing that I like audience needs to hear. And then and then I just see my dog walking but, behind her with, with Drew's shoe. But no, everyone needs to see this Converse shoe. Yeah, it's, that I think. The- oh, my God. That was the cutest thing. That so you have managed thing. to actually strike this balance and just kind of just like roll with the flow and be and be happy with the flow. Yes, I'm. I'm on a day to day basis. I'm very happy. I mean, obviously, I struggle with a lot of anxiety, mm-hmm. and I have. You know, we all have our own mental health issues. But yeah. I'd say, like, I'm maybe like the happiest I could be with my mm-hmm. weird brain and my, you know darkness and whatever I, but, I won't sorry keep going oh just to wrap it up like I, I the like the group I play with Acme for instance yeah like, they're all down us. with my comedy stuff I don't have to hide anything from them and like That's so I've just dope. like found the people who are cool with it and anyone else they're just not gonna call me and oh well oh you know? and you've you've put in like years into this now and we're, we're kind of bumping into this too I mean at least for me because like I said I was teaching a lot of kids uh-huh. and do very serious serious things and when they tune in, I'm sure a lot of people that first episode were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? He taught my children? Wow. Uh, but I, I but being able to, I think, I, I like what you said, like, if, if our end game is to be our own boss and to be in control of our own content, that they can accept that we are, you can be multifaceted, we can be very serious, have serious conversations, and go up on the stage and kill it with jokes about whatever. Right, because everyone is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, get, name me a person who's like actually, I mean, I guess if you're like very religious and conservative, maybe you are mm-hmm. that all the time. Mm-hmm. There's like a spectrum, obviously, but most people fall somewhere in the middle where they have their professional side and they're like dirty, personal, goofy side. That's and me. with, yeah. you know, and a lot of people, they just keep that part private because they're not performers. So there's no need to take that to work. They just mm-hmm. work in an office and they can be professional and then have their personal lives done. Yeah. But even with social media, most people are having that, having to like worry about, oh, am I, is this this picture of me with a mojito where I look a little too drunk? Should I not have this on because my boss might because see the it? Bo- yeah, isn't yeah. that wild? It's, yeah, it's and but that's the same. But it's like obviously you go out and like enjoy your weekend. Like uh, don't post, you know, want a picture of you like passed out. But oh, I'm drink, <laughs> I'm having a nice time this weekend. What's the problem? So even like quote unquote normal people have to deal with this now. Oh, 100%. And I think if we all just accepted that everyone's, you know, a human who likes to enjoy their lives. And as long as you're not saying like racist or like offensive things, you know, obviously those people should like be called out. But other than that, if you're just, I don't know. Being a, being a human in reality, I want to, I want, did you know, this is something that I recently heard. They have third-party companies now that, uh, that, well, corporations and companies that have that hire a lot of staff. They delegate a task to this company that runs an algorithm that goes through people's social media and finds, and it uses an algorithm to find problematic speech to their I've employers. And people have been fired based off of this technology. Like this mass data sweeping. One of my new favorite things is the rebellion against that. I can't remember who someone uh, added like just a big name person and they like forwarded it onto their boss, uh, like the comment. And it was like an innocuous comment. (laughs) And then the company 
like just stood up for the person, like did it to the thing. Like, no, this is bullshit. And so it became yeah. this whole like firestorm. They're like, don't send us this crap, basically. Right. Like right. our employees could do what they want. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're saying you were saying that it's also trying to find like hate speech and things it's like that. Hate- well, yeah. it's trying to find a lot of things, and it actually it's flawed technology that does a lot of false positives. Right. So like they they were flagging things that weren't problematic at all. And I, I'm bad at the example, but I heard it, <clears throat> I heard it on a podcast um, recently and it's very alarming. And, and it gets dicey because yeah. obviously mm-hmm. like the intention originally is good because you want to flag people who are, you know, if like would I, be cons- prob- actually who would problematic. be problematic at work and who are like spreading, you know, toxic hate speech and discriminatory mm-hmm. and bad people, you know, yes. I don't like to say bad people, but you know, Bad person, a yeah. shitty person. Now, now, yeah. now about, most of our listenership is you just described them, so you could just like, you could just tone down They're, the bad. Okay, sorry, not all bad people. No, no, hashtag, hashtag not all bad people. <laughs> but but then, like anything, there's always going to be a downside when you try to like get a shortcut to like, oh well, this finds all the bad people. And it's like, okay, well, actually, it's not. Whenever you try to make something easy, there's always going to be a consequence. Mm-hmm. So really, you should just. Interview the people you hire and try to like be able to tell if they're a good person or not. (laughs) You'll figure it out soon enough. That's true. And then being able to act when that that arises. But it it pays more. uh, It's a it's a greater case for what you were saying earlier of it's better to just employ yourself at some point and work outside the system. And that's what these podcasts allow allow people to do, at least have a platform to begin talking about. these things. One of the things I wanted to touch base with you, speaking to the difficulty of what you're doing, in that most people, when they're musicians and they're going through and maybe they like what they do, but they want to explore something else. We've, we've all put in so many years into this. It's the sunk cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're taught this is the way you go out and make things and this is how you're happy in the music field. There's not many alternatives presented. Mm-hmm. And while that's changing, uh, a lot of people might wind up, it turns out, hey, I like the business field or I want to make money or these other things. <laughs> and you and you, and you, you looked that in the eye and you said, you know what? I want to do something that's harder than music. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I was like, you look down the field, you're like, oh, I could do architecture. No, I could do uh, cultural anthropology. No, st- I know I know what's going to be my, my side gig to support my music habit. Stand up. So you've gone out and you've done it. Well, I will say I didn't I didn't start stand up looking for something harder than music. <laughs> Although a lot of people do joke about that with me. Although uh-huh. you said it the funniest, Trevor. So I'm not trying to Good for good, That was great. Good I loved for your me. I, I, that down too. I loved your uh, <laughs> example of me looking at the other jobs yeah. and then yeah, that made me We're putting this on your website, okay? I'm putting this on as well. 4 months preparing for I think this. You need to develop a type 5 from there. No, but but you know, me starting stand up was literally cuz I just loved stand up comedy and it was it was a similar feeling of you know when you just like love someone like a person so I'm back on this now like you're just in love with someone and you're just like I don't care I want to be with them cuz yeah. you love them so much mm-hmm. whether or not you end up with them cuz life is hard yeah. but that was the feeling I had with stand up I was like mm. this is like a super hard thing that everyone's told me not to do. I already have like a music career that's like kind of on its way. Yeah. But God, if I didn't do stand up, I would like be on my deathbed mm. and just regret. It. Like I just I had to. Damn. So, it didn't like I never thought about like, oh, this is even harder than. And and for me it was more fun. So, I was just like, 
finally like enjoying my life again mm-hmm. and feeling creative. Is that so. why I'm sad? Yes. I'm not playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> With that, like, I mean, I guess like a deeper, but, harder question. Do you, does that, do you, do you still have moments of that with music or did you have to like step away to then appreciate it or? Do I still have moments like of of what? Of love with, with music or does it, is it come in and out? It, well, it comes in and out for sure. It depends who I'm playing with and what I'm playing. The thing is for me, some, for some reason I've never written my own music or felt really Mm -hmm. a drive to do that except with comedy a little bit comedic songs and I'm you know I'm writing a little tiny score for a web series episode but like it's always like very like in a context and I Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm just going to become like a composer or someone who a singer songwriter so for me the the only way to be creative I saw was through jokes like that was I was like oh that's how I'm creative so with music like I love music and it was my first love. And if I'm playing with someone like Max Richter, for instance, I'm like in that moment. I'm a like, fanboy. We talk yeah. about the soft cam. We're all fan, we're all fan gals and, and guys, goys, in fact. Goy- you guys goys. are goys. Uh, <laughs> but uh gals and goys. That's a good podcast <laughs> that is title. A great, that's a great uh, <laughs> The audience, they they, They they already made it. Um, But, oh, they've already made it, yes. Very (laughs) proactive audience. It's all the bad people we were talking about. Right, yes. It's just a bunch of people listening to our podcast that are trying to put us out of business. Ah. Well, no, no, they're just like, wow, if these guys could do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're like, God, I'm inspired. These guys Literally anyone could do that. But Uh, but so I'll have moments where I'm like, this is exactly where I want to be. The universe is like giving me this gift. I'm playing beautiful music. I love this. But... In the end, that's Max Richter's stuff. Mm. And unless he wanted to take me on, like, every performance he did and, like, you know, like... He I, could. The NPR, <laughs> the NPR Tiny Desk, everyone. Yeah, shout uh, out. You should go bump that. Isabel is <laughs> up there playing viola like a goddess. Oh, yeah. You guys are very sweet. But that was... Um, a dream for me because I just love Tiny Desk and I love and Max you're Richter. There. And I was like, I get to... Anyway. What was it What was it like uh, on the set? Man, that desk was tiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. They weren't lying. Truth in advertising, folks. It was funny because there were uh, six of us playing, so they had to really fit us all in a special way. Mm-hmm. Like, we were standing, we usually sit, but it, you know, it was great. There's a bigger audience than you would expect. Everyone from the other offices comes and listens. Oh, it's like really? a giant oh, crowd. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. That's no cool. idea. I know. I always thought it was like five people, like the person operating the camera yeah. and like, but it's, it's a whole event. So that was, no exciting. wonder it feels more personable because you're actually giving a show. It's not a, yes. a uncomfortable lens concert. Right. That's probably the secret to the tiny desk is that they actually have a good crowd. Yeah, tiny desk. Big crowd. Or to big <laughs> what a, what a great be. cultural, like an old institution creating a beautiful cultural moment. What's well, the old? It's happens. the front porch. Yes. It's it's the front porch concert, and like the community comes around. Yes. Yeah. It's it's both like a high profile kind of fancy. Like now they have a real reputation, but yeah. they've really been able to maintain. I'm guessing what originally was kind of this thing they just did for fun exactly at someone's desk yeah. i don't know the exact history of it but but it has the it still has that essence of Pe- like people have made like it be, it becomes older. part of, it's pop culture you see it in like mm-hmm. cartoons i don't think it's on bojack but it, like one of those things like it'll appear in shows and they're talking about it right right mm. that's what that's what we want or that's what i want for this podcast <laughs> for it to be something that people look forward to being a part of it's mm-hmm. like a moment like 
in terms of like when people are able to share ideas and, and, and make connections. And I mean, that's one of the things that you're in the midst of experience. Mm-hmm. One of the things we, we like about podcasts, cause I just listen to it. I consume it more than any other medium, uh, is it's conversational. There's not a time limit as opposed to a TV segment. And that's what I've heard for other people going on there where you, you have, you might have seven minutes and then they have to cut to break on the, on the like the the tonight show or something and you you've got three bullet points you've got to hit it hit this exact moment versus like podcast that tapes rolling it's and right. you can say anything as long as we put the little e beside the episode oh hell yeah uh, that's what i love the little e the e mm-hmm. for explicit yeah oh, yeah very explicit. e for everybody we need ve we need very explicit very when we start yeah, talking about classical music. When we were, before we were, I don't know if we were rolling or not. You said you uh, have been here since night of you, but you did a performance. Oh, yeah. So so this is actually. Can we actually take one second? I just want to double check, make sure it's all rolling. Oh. So I wanted a cut point. Okay. I just want to make sure it all sounds good. Okay, I'll repeat so the question. do not. <laughs> no answer I wear sunscreen every day to maximize my privilege. Double, um, double C my luggage and fill them with comb blouses. But speaking of that, double C. Drew, what question did you ask before I interrupted you? Oh, why I'm in LA, basically. Yeah, well, what you've been getting into. Yeah, well, this this is a, a sort of fun uh, marriage of both things because I was on a, a mini tour with this group I play with a lot, Acme. Yeah. And we were we were touring with, sometimes we tour with Max Richter. This time we were touring with other sort of beautiful uh, piano composition mm-hmm. guy named Diope Beving. He's a... He's from the Netherlands. Oh, dope. And I hope so. Uh, no, I think so. <laughs> Something okay. Hey, Jamie, can you check <laughs> that real quick? Yeah. <laughs> Will the producer uh, fact check? <laughs> this is weird. We take our facts very seriously yeah. here. So uh, the tour, the last performance of the tour ended in L.A. Uh-huh. So they were going to book me a flight to and from L.A. anyway. So I figured, uh-huh. can you just book me a flight a week later oh, so yeah. I could stay here catch up with some LA people like you, you guys, and you know, take some meetings, do some comedy shows. And Mm -hmm. so now I'm here for the rest of my time in LA, uh, just doing, doing comedy business, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, very, very top secret, fancy, uh, yeah, Yeah, we will not talk about, we will reveal all when the time is right. Yes. Yes. When she's, when she's, uh, when you see her on the big red Netflix, (laughs) but Um, but the, the the show I did here was at the Lodge Room in Highland Park. Can you tell us about it? I love Highland Park. That, re- that space lodges. is really cool. Uh, that's Well, you would like the Lodge Room then. Yeah. It, Actually, don't. Continue. The backstage uh. is like one of those backstages with everyone signed uh. to perform there. And there's like Ariana Grande in there. What? You're like, what? Also, it's like very bad handwriting. It almost seems like it couldn't be her because it's such bad handwriting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no offense, Ariana. But if it was you... Uh, <laughs> she is a subscriber. She's funny. So. She's funny too. I did the Grammys with her. 
Oh, did so, you meet her? Yeah. We got What's to, she like? She's really, she's really funny. That's infuriating. She, doesn't that hurt? She doesn't <laughs> hurt. She's, I always joke like very witty and quick, and in terms of musicianship, she's incredibly accurate oh and consistent. God. That hurts. Like she is the quintessential musician. Because she's wow. one of the things we've yeah. talked about, probably because she's been doing it all her life. But she was on Broadway, and like some things you can't hide as a kid. So it's not she wasn't a celebrity and then just like a Pierce thing. She's mm-hmm. she's had to have done that. So at the core, there's got to be a lot of skill there. Oh yeah, she she's like incredibly talented, and I feel like a lot of her, at least her early songs, like mm-hmm. you couldn't necessarily can- tell because it could have been like it was so electronically mm-hmm. like processed and modified. I was just like, whatever, this could be anyone singing. And then I saw some like live videos of her, and I was like, <laughs> when they stopped overproducing, her yeah, voice. like yeah. whoa, oh. she's actually. Even someone else we dump on, I I'll never forget in our, you know, an undergraduate stuffy musicology class walking in, and the teacher would just always have some video playing, and there was this young little kid just like, crushing this Nia song, and you know, he, what is this kid like nine? He's just slaying, and everyone's just like, wow, 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 and the teacher's like, oh, do you know who that is? We're like, who is that? Like, oh, it's Justin Bieber. Like Woody was a no one singing right. a talent show. And this was at peak baby, baby, baby O time. So everyone was just dumping on this kid. And something was there. It was very much there. Yeah. So when are you going on tour singing? Singing? Yeah, girl. Oh, never. We need to drop, need to drop the album. <laughs> <laughs> I fantasize about doing more singing in my act. Like when I do longer sets more frequently, I want to bring mm-hmm. the viola in. I want to sing. I want to mm-hmm. make it more like just an Isabel show. Because why I not? It just adds... So much, and I if it's it's something I can do. Why not? It's your unique value proposition. I stole Ooh. it from Drew. That's why I'm when we talk. Yeah, wow. yeah. You listen. Oh, okay. So we had a bit where you were like our our relationship counselor. <laughs> oh my gosh, Trevor. That was a really great example of you listening to Drew, Trevor. I didn't and... know. I didn't know you understood where I'm coming from. I don't know where it takes Betty further. We already played it out before the pod. <laughs> <laughs> What's it been like? doing these types of tours, particularly where someone like Max Richter and some of these other composers, they kind of live in this other universe adjacent to our new music, classical thing, to where they grew up in that tradition, but yet they fill out audiences, they sell out shows, their music is appearing in films. I just watched Arrival, and sure enough, the opening and the ending is on the nature of daylight. That piece is everywhere. Every time I hear it, it sounds awesome. You can't hear it and see it against a picture. Shutter Island, you name it, it's everywhere. It's one of the most used pieces in music that as a, like a source cue. And yet, I bet a lot of classical composers have no idea who he is. Or a lot of classical musicians have no idea yeah. who this person is. And yet, I'm obsessed, but very few are. I feel like, I mean, at least, I, I don't know what, what these guys inner brains are or Mm -hmm. what their thoughts are but it seems like max's music like although it is different and special in especially certain pieces more than others Mm -hmm. but i don't think he was ever trying to be like different i think he was just trying to write music that like moved him and made him feel like connected to the world just based on his music and based on like things i've heard him say and i think when you're like, when your creative pursuit is stemming from just trying to be different, you might not come up with something that actually connects with people. 
-hmm. Whereas if you're just doing what you like and what you want, even though it might, some of it might be overdone, you still like, at least it's going to be something that you actually like feel. And I mean, that's also on the other side of that, a lot of composers, like they want to like explore and like try new sounds because that's their creative process. Mm -hmm. And that's just going to, you know, appeal to fewer people because some people just their the way they consume music is not to be curious. Yeah. It's just to feel something immediately. That's a great way to put it. And I horny. I talk <laughs> I horny. Get, I get so composers. horny for music. Yeah, no, I'm so horny for horny music. For Man, music, that dude, dude, that multiphonic Anderson Pop comes wet. on. I'm like, girl, come over here. Let's <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> but I mean you make you do make a great point. We won't uh bury ourselves in it. But with creatives, it's funny how people kind of create these little like wars and scenarios. And I'm sure you see it in comedy too, of just different styles or different approaches to be more avant-garde, more approachable, this, that, and the other. But we, everyone needs to play their part. I just watched Snowpiercer. <laughs> everyone, as, this is a bad bet. We need some people. We got to have some people at the front of the trade bet. No, absolutely not. But <laughs> but we need, I, I look, I actually really enjoy some of these avant-garde, wild out there composers. And what do I do? I take the little bit I like and I bring it back to, I want people to really like this land. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little special sauce. So I love a Max Richter because uh, when you look at his biography, like who he studied under, were some of the super weirdos. Right. Yeah. He, he came, like some of the the premier weirdos of the time, and then he comes out and lays out one of my favorite pieces. And I know not just because of you, why I watched the Tiny Desk, why I know I've kept up with your career, is because I barely use Spotify, but I do to listen to sleep. Max Richter's mm-hmm. eight hours sleep. And so, like, I'm so, I took I'm screenshots of all my, you know, Spotify just did that decade wrap up and just like a significant portion, portion of it is just one piece. Right. And it's like, and I've listened to the whole thing and I just don't even know why. But well, because it really helps people. Sing. You know, so I, I performed that piece yeah. live with him all around the world and uh, people actually sleep during it. It's kind of infuriating when you're <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. hour six, you're just looking at people like snoozing and you're just like, God damn it. Cause like, obviously the piece is beautiful and I love doing it, but in the moment yeah. there's, there are moments of misery yeah. doing an eight hour performance oh, my that God, you just yeah. can't avoid. Uh, and they pay a lot for those tickets. I looked at them. Right. Right. Wait, but have you played it, one of them? Yeah. I played oh, sleep played all uh, like seven times. Oh, I, I wanted to go. It was like God. 180 bucks. I, I just realized that you met it's at literally eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I, we get breaks because the no one player plays continuously. So the music is continuous, but I'll have like an hour 20. Isn't that wild? You can just go grab I, a slice. There's so much food backstage. They give us cots to nap in, which I don't recommend to anyone who ever performs sleep. Don't take uh, a nap because waking up from that nap and then going oh, back out to play. To then go play that soft, <laughs> subtle, supple music. Oh my God. That's, what a, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, plus, yeah, like everyone thinking about trying to like keep track of a tacit in an opera and like, okay, when I hear the chimes come in, I know I got 20 measures to go. Right. What are you doing? Sleep. <laughs> it's all on a timer clock. So oh, okay. it's actually pretty easy because there's a t- there are timers on stage. There's a t- clock at backstage. 1001. There's a 1, wrangler to make sure everyone's where they need to be when. Uh, okay. Although one time I think our wrangler fell asleep. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Proves the point. It's, yeah. I feel like it's like being on the subway and you're just kind of used to how it like 
bumps you just yes. before you get here and you're like, was, okay, I'm a Queensboro Plaza. I was thinking this the other day. How yeah. come I never miss my subway stop? Never. Never. Yeah. No never. matter how tired, what time it yeah. is. Yeah, and even if it's a place I've never been before, like it's not like a normal subway ride, I yeah. still never miss it. You just, I think you sub, we subconsciously develop the idea to like, Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have something on bus, even yeah. airplanes. I mean, yeah, there's a stop, but if you've got a, someone's got noise canceling headphones on or something, like what? I don't know. You never, you always know when it's, it's okay, we're going to start. Landing. It's weird. But it's that's like when you know you're a New Yorker, right? Right. Is when you can fall asleep on the subway and wake up at the right time every time. Right. Ain't that beautiful? I miss, I miss New York we miss so it. much. We you gotta it. come back, you guys. We really. I really miss it. Do. Makes me sad. Oh my god! You get so it's a hard place to live, but once you get used to it, it then it's worth it. Like it feels. So I've never lived anywhere else. So tell me, why should I be happy? I live in New York. See, that's the <laughs> hardest part too, because we both are from the South. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So from my perspective, I'm from Maggot Country. So. I was in Richmond for uh, about five days and I just got back this morning. And one thing, having lived here and being fortunate enough to travel the world, being a violist, much like you travel as a violist, you can see how other people live. And growing up in an idyllic suburban place where everything closed at nine, you know, it's predictable, which is brings a certain level of happiness. But what I love about New York is like, you can walk around the streets it's four in the morning. Uh, you can go get a whiskey and a fucking slice of pizza, dude. You want some powdered donuts? Go to the corner store. Like, whiskey on your pizza. No dude, one puts I just why not? pour whiskey on it. <laughs> Funnel it in stores. there. Pepperoni juice and oh, whiskey. Oh, well, yeah. instead of the oil that you blot yeah, off, it's just, whiskey. You just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Get fucked up tonight. No, <laughs> but that's what I, what I mean is like it's got this energy. And then coupled with that is this idea that you're always getting shit done right here in LA I don't ever feel productive really it seems I when I talk to a lot of other people who come through here or who have either lived here or came to USC and then they live in New York Mm -hmm. it does really seem like you choose one I don't know many people who really love both Mm -hmm. and so at least now I still say I'm a New Yorker who just happens to be here as far as a choice yeah. but i know a lot of people who are like living in new york they need to be there for their career but they just dream about coming back here yeah some people need like the sun and the they it's i guess it's easier when you're driving everywhere kind of even though there's traffic I, I, you're still just sitting in your for car. me it's worse yeah because okay. i'm in charge of someone's life like the traffic's longer and you have to pay attention when you're driving right you don't have to Somebody pay attention you can just on the space out i read i listen to music it's like my time mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I would definitely move out here if I had a reason to for work, but I think I'm a New Yorker. And you actually are. Yes. Speaking of that, you're one of the very few, I think I could name maybe, maybe they just, other people keep it closeted, but I know like two people, one of the choreographers I worked with, Jesse Obrinsky, and you, who actually grew up in New York. Yes, many many of us like to keep it closeted. It's a big secret. Yeah, it's like a secret. Just walk around. You listening out there? Like the Yankee. God damn it. The secret Yankees tattoo. I guess I was thinking about this the other day because it's like, well, I went to high school with people who grew up in New York. I guess maybe they all just left. Maybe it's uncommon to to stay Stay. there. Maybe, I don't know. Because a lot of people are like, wow, I don't know anyone who's like actually from New York. It's like, well, I do, but, <laughs> but I don't know where they are right now. So <laughs> Almost none. Like two. I remember I was so confused because I'd always, I was like, hey, where are you from? Because no one's ever from there. Yeah. And then, yeah, a choreographer, I work with Jesse, uh, he was like, oh, like, 
I'm from like 14th Street. I'm like, oh, cool. No, like, where'd you grow up? And he's like, oh, 14th Street. I'm like, what? And I, I wanted to like touch him. Like, are we, what was it like? <sighs> right. People always think I'm being pretentious. They're like, where are you from? I'm like, New York. They're like, right, right, right. But like. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but where are you actually from? I'm like, yeah. no, like the corner of Canal and Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, now everyone knows where I grew up. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, address in the Casey, description. Casey Neistat. <laughs> Casey Neistat was down there for a little while. But Who? Casey Neistat. Who is that? Oh, bro. Uh, so Casey Neistat is one of the pioneers of internet daily vlogging. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I just heard the name. Yeah. Oh, y'all didn't, y'all didn't know? No, Casey Neistat's <laughs> the reason... It's a big inspiration. The reason why I started vlogging. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Casey so Neistat. Casey Neistat. He lives out here now. Okay. But at one point, he was doing a, his daily vlog, like, peak, like, 2013, 2014. He's getting, like, 4 million views a day on his daily vlog. And they were all beautiful cinematic masterworks. Yeah. Of just him. And, like, you do that every day. That's why. Doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, well, that might even circle back to... It sounds like Just what he grind. was doing was both it's the grind, but it, that output was the creative pro- process. Mm-hmm. The vlog was the creative thing. It wasn't just, uh, to some degree, what we have to do, an ends to a mean, or a mean to an end, or whatever the phrase it works. For what <laughs> right. It is, it is ideal when your content, like your, your baby, is something that you could just upload. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, you're, if you make funny videos and that's your thing. Yeah. And then you can do some live performances sometimes, but your real thing is like making these videos and then you just post them and you're not changing yourself for, it's just Instagram is a great platform for it. Mm-hmm. And it's like that promo stuff that gets so like, whew. Have you, know? you looked into TikTok? I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Why? There's two, I already got Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I don't got time for TikTok. <laughs> That's been my resistance. I'm like, I've been trying to like remove these things from my life, not introduce them to I guess, I mean, eventually I will have to if everyone's on it, but it's, I find it so confusing too. Like, mm-hmm. what is it? We're millennials. So we're old. We're too old now. We're too old I now. I want to tell you something. Back in Israel. my day, you only had so, eight social media accounts. <laughs> <laughs> you remember yeah. when I remember like 2014 Instagram? Yeah. Everybody was like, I don't really. I'll get Instagram when everybody has Instagram. That's when I was hustling. And that's right. when I built my shit. We're past that on TikTok a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so what's it's, the it's new? It's too late. It's not too late. No, it's it's like it's scaled to where millennials are getting on it. Right. So it was just Gen Zers, which Well, that's is like, like boomers on Facebook now. Right, that's right. Oh, no, we're going to no, boomers, gonna boomers TikTok yeah. now. <laughs> oh. I know. Once the boomers get on something, it yeah. sucks. There are. But they're <laughs> all over it, They man. take it too seriously. It's all over it. It's, they're all over. It's What's interesting boomers. is the boomers trained to are, boom song. They've been trained by their Gen Z grandchildren. Right. And the ones who have been trained are actually super popular and are crushing it because they understand <laughs> the psychology. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's not, they're, they're not resisting. They're just a part of it. Well, will you show me your TikTok after this? That sounded very dirty. Yeah. Show me your TikTok. Show me your TikTok. My TikTok is trash. I'm like looking at it. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, because I'm a millennial. I'm looking no. at it I'm like, I'm too old for this shit. But as a comedian, I think it's a really good place to, at least for me, to like forge some material or just get into that mind of making something new every day. Yeah. And getting into that mm-hmm. habit. And right. I just wanted to maybe pass that your way because it could be a tool, much like recording on Instagram was a tool for me. Right, this right. It could be a comedic tool for you. Yeah, for I fun. mean, I, I have no doubt that it could. Mm-hmm 
help. I guess I'm just like, I don't know if I could like for my own just like. Well, probably the hard part. Well being. That I that <laughs> comedians always t- talk about. I can't remember the old phrase, but. You know, you used to just have to what come up with one special, and then that could be your whole career for ten years. Be- but now right. we have video; it's out there, and now we have Twitter and Instagram, where it's even easier. You're not even producing a video, having to make a new special every day is a new special. Right. Uh, wow! Like it, the acceleration. The one I guess benefit of music that you could do is you can post up the practice, you can, mm-hmm. and people tune in; they get it. Practice is a known thing. You can post a performance. It can be the same piece over and over and over. It's got to be a lot harder for comedians when it's everything must be funny. It must be new. Mm. They when they've seen the special, they don't want to see this the same thing over and over. If you're posting it, I don't know. I, I, right. I, I assume it's it can be trickier. I guess the way I the way I'm hoping it'll turn out is that. Ultimately, you want to come see me live. Yeah. And Instagram is a place where I'll post where to go see me live. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, a funny thing here or there, just, you know, to stay in the thing. But... But I'm, I'll just be happy if I can, like, sell tickets. So whatever that takes. If it means I have to, like, also have a TikTok eventually, because that's where most... Then I would do that. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, this weird thing of, like, how do I get to the point where it's just people want to just come see me live because that's ultimately what I want to sell because I love mm-hmm. performing and if I can get butts and seats you can do whatever you want and that's why following is like a currency because yeah. but if, is it followers who will come to see you I don't know like I'm still figuring that out but that's as long as I like keep that focus in my head okay what do I need to do to sell tickets that's the goal it kind of keeps my whatever I'm doing on there a little more focused like is this necessary or is this necessary you know that's brilliant that's what i was gonna say earlier when we were on the social media like i don't know if instagram's worth it or tiktok's worth it it's it's like whatever you have fun doing and can do consistently is worth it because all of these all of these all of these platforms have a scale audience so if you're consistent people will find you you'll build that tribe that tribe will sneeze on other people they'll get infected with your funny virility We'll fix it in post. (laughs) Virality. I didn't even know. (laughs) Well, 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 just in terms of like, that's what Seth Godin says. It's like your early adopters then sneeze on other people Mm. and then they catch on to whatever it is that you're doing. What you need to do is create a super virus. That is all I saw. (laughs) That's that's the business model. I'm going to create an incurable virus. Oh my God, right? And then... You're trying to be the coronavirus of comedy. Yeah. I want to lock down a country to where you can't... Oh my God. Yeah. Speaking of coronavirus... So where you, are we going? Do you remember where I? Do you remember I <laughs> used to play on cruise ships? Yes. <laughs> My first cruise ship called the Westerdam was quarantined at sea for like a couple of weeks because of confirmed cases of coronavirus. That like yeah. hell. Westerfuck. Like that Dude, sucks. So I that was that was the ship that I spent four and a half months on. And so Whoa, it could you imagine? Did it? And you they're like, about to. Was, was it like, a visceral reaction, like yeah. being trapped on that boat? Yeah. Oh they're about to spend four and a half months. I, so. I had like I, I was having like nightmares, oh, like waking no. up in my cabin. It's the snow piercer of cruise ships. They're gonna start eating each other. Because playing on a cruise ship, I wanted to ask you about this, yeah. but like that. It's a really, it can get very dark, right? It's a really good employment. Yeah. Um, but you can only do it for so long. 
There has to be an end point, right? Because you're stuck on this boat. and <laughs> You're stuck in paradise I friends, for a long time. I have friends time. who are on, like, their fit. I have friends who are still doing ships, and they were doing them in 2014. I have an old roommate wow. who's still doing it. Yeah, they're people that, like, I remember I learned about it from them. I did a couple contracts, and then I was like, okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And they're still, that's all they post is them just on these same contracts through the Caribbean. I'm like, boom. And then now they're posting like ship memes, and what's hilarious <laughs> is like I think they're funny because I know what they right. mean. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, it's yeah. just so—it's a real culture yeah. of people. It's very difficult in that we had to do three shows a night, six nights a week. Wow. Yeah, eighteen shows a week, um, forty-five minutes long, and it's twelve programs. It's the same twelve programs. And if you work with people that don't want to adventure off and do new repertoire because you do get to a point where you're like, if I have to play Night of the Ballet one more time. Right, right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was, but it was so rewarding because I got that performance practice. And I viscerally understand what you mean about stand-up comedy. Right. Getting up. Every night. Every night. It's Yeah, like that, like any, I feel like uh, being able to perform without nerves or without that that adrenaline it's like mystified but it's like no you just probably aren't like doing it nearly enough because like everything is just just takes practice Mm -hmm. but we just don't especially as classical musicians we get such a low amount of practice for auditions and performing in general that's why like when you're preparing for an orchestra audition like they say play for your friends every day even that is like performing and there's enough to like practice having someone listening and that added pressure is like all you need to flex that muscle like simple but it's not easy no one thing so we, we mentioned earlier and you get these comments a lot so other people have like mentioned like comedy like oh drew you should do it or they'll be like oh like trevor you're fun you said something funny you should c- consider doing comedy and i think the one thing that i always respond to and we've talked about this maybe even on the pod is that because of music, I also can understand how much work it takes to actually do comedy. And I think that's dissuaded me from ever doing it because if I wanted to do something else, I'd like to take it seriously. And we have an actual comedian here to tell us how much work and effort goes into that. Uh, because how many, like, how many years are you in? So I did maybe six open mics when I was at Juilliard, but like mm-hmm. over the span of six months, you know, very rare, like very rarely going up. And then once I graduated summer of 2015, I started going to open mics every day. So I'm about like four and a half to, you know, pushing five years now mm. of going up almost every night, except when I'm on like a music tour and yeah. I have to take a few days off. But, and I was at first going to like two open mics a day, sometimes three. And then eventually you meet people through the open mics. They start booking you on your bar shows. So you're like technically booked, but it's, you know, still just a yeah. show in the back of a bar. And I just, so then that would be one of my sets. And I had a bar show and I'm open mic. And now I'm doing, you know, clubs and some touring and all that. But, but yeah, it's about five years of, of getting up almost every night and writing every day. And it's and- hard work. That's all I'm hearing. I'm just hearing just like effort, thinking, processing, work, practice. Yeah, it's, I mean, for some reason I, uh... I just, I'm so grateful that I wanted it that badly. Mm-hmm. So it didn't always feel, and, and when I started, I would do like barking, you know, 
bar- people who watch like crashing know what barking is where no. in order to get booked on a show you like stand outside and say like hey you want to see a free comedy show yeah so like I, for like a year and a half most nights i would also stand out like sometimes in the very cold weather for like an hour and like sell tickets to people wow. and like i like and I just didn't care Times because Square. I knew they were. I did Times Square yeah. for a very short amount of time. My first New York, mostly exp- in the village. My <laughs> first coming up to audition for Julia was like the my first like real New York experience, and I'll never forget walking through Times Square because that's where the cheap hotels are. Right. Or right. walking up the Lincoln Center, and someone's just like, "You like comedy?" And I was just like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't like funny. Like, yeah. So it was like a laugh. this whole grind of like being miserable a lot of the time, but like just happy I get to get up in front of a real audience mm-hmm. for seven minutes at the end of the night. So, so yeah, it is a lot of work, but also like I did manage to like continue having a full viola life. But like it, it only happens at night. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, it was manageable. I wasn't, I'm not like killing myself, you know, I'm, yeah. okay, I'm okay. But yeah, it took a lot. It just, I, committed to it completely like spiritually entirely (laughs) i mean that's why it's been fascinating of course our friend john hong yes who's come on here and our future sponsor of the show john hong (laughs) a plug for future ads that's that's what we're about but uh he was mentioning going to the shows and he's been keeping track of people who do interesting things and you've always been on the radar because you went out and you you've done it you kind of like set out a goal uh it was outside of what's normally expected and now people are starting to crop up doing these other things so kudos to you for actually going out there and doing it and continue to do it uh what is a non-traditional path (laughs) well thanks and i mean same with you guys you have all these different you're doing this podcast for one thing and all these other i don't want to call them side they're just like you're doing so many different things you were saying about Mm -hmm. composing you have your hand in all these different uh types of composing whereas like many people it's expected to be like specialized in one i think that's really cool i mean it's at least nice and i think it's particular i'm also wondering if it's because we've been afforded the opportunity to go out and do these different things or if it's circumstances or both because that career path that orchestral audition that you guys would have to put in hours, four hours a day, mock tapes, go to sleep at, at 9 p.m., wake up, do this, envision the day, self-tape, blah, 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 like all that effort, yeah, and then you walk in, and then it turns out a hundred other people did that. They could all slay that audition yeah. and you know, flip, a, flip a couple coins and you might get it. Uh, we're somewhat forced to do these things in variety and I'm always I'm curious if some of that was the circumstance for me I think I've just always been interested in doing other things mm-hmm. I'm just I want to call it career ADD but I just don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over I have to I try to use the other to fuel and procrastinate what I should be doing and so then while I'm doing that then oh I got to move on to this this and it kind of hops around uh, is as far as your your path being able to balance doing you know, writing, writing shows, writing comedy, stand up, performing, touring, life outside of career. Uh, is did you do you envision that? Is that your kind of goal? Is it just by the circumstance? I would ultimately like my life to be a little less hectic than it is. Mm-hmm. Like I. I want to be settled down with somebody romantically. I want to do my touring for just my show. 
and maybe you know write some stuff and that's you know so a little more i i would love for life to be a little simpler i know it's always yeah. going to be just as hard but a little simpler yeah I feel if that, that makes sense I rest right now it's yeah because right now i have to i have to run around and do everything, do everything. just to to get something going mm-hmm. to see what takes and what you know audition acting auditions uh writing like writing stuff but i don't want to talk about it but you know mm-hmm. just lots of stuff uh and then you know Drew, you do like a million. You're the the king of the hustle. He's tired. This is a t- you're so tired. He's a tired man. That's because he he was on two hours. He flew in last night. Very impressive. Just that to, you're here. to have this moment. I'm I I I want I wanted to talk to you. I enjoy <laughs> talking to you so much. <laughs> what I I really have enjoyed the exchange that you guys had, and it 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 was just planting some seeds in my brain on like. Especially what you said about you want sip, simpler. Uh, you want just a little bit of a simpler life because you do do everything yourself. And I feel that so much. Especially, I've been complaining to Trevor's like, I need to hire somebody to help me. Yeah. You know, have you thought about doing that? Have you gotten to a point where you like would love some help managing some of the. Well, I have I have representation right now, That's but I'm. Dope. It's still at the point where like I have to do just you as much work because much yeah. I have to like still just produce all this stuff. Eventually, of yeah. course, I would love to have like an assistant who can like yeah. manage my emails or whatever. You know, one day, yeah. and that would help simplify. Hit us up in the comments if you'd want to. <laughs> anyone wants to be my assistant as a and work pro bono? No, look, uh, look like, like free yeah. interns here. Exactly, like who wants to intern for, for a comic? It's good on a college. You might get paid in 10 years. Yeah, but. Yeah. I'll get you a beer. Stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's what's really important, too, is recognizing that and then reducing your life to only the things that you really want to do. Yes. And that's something I've been really trying hard at, especially just socially. Like, I, I love people and I, I love yeah. a lot of people in my life, but it's like I don't I simply don't have the energy to like see everybody and mm-hmm. so which be is like, why I'm grateful you're here like, oh no I, I, I wanted to do this and I'm in LA and I'm never in LA Hell but yeah. you know so hey we're all gonna go do this tonight and it sounds even though it sounds fun I'm like mm, that's gonna like take energy that I could spend you know writing this thing mm-hmm. or going out and doing another set instead and that's really what I want mm-hmm. so so people got to meet you halfway too yeah because you're you're hustling but there's just also people I will always make time for mm-hmm. and the, those are the people it's nice when you realize who those people are yeah and that's a nice feeling. Like, oh, I guess I that's them. just the come with age. Like now we're we're all entering the late twenties, uh, and then that early thirties is kind of we've, we've we've slogged in. We've put in some time. Now it's it's okay to not finish a book. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, I still have trouble with that. But you're right. I, I don't start them, but <laughs> but in my mind, if I was reading a book, I'd I'd like to feel okay. Actually, I have two experiences, and I won't even point them out. Uh, to the specifics, but of moments like that, like instead of <clears throat> sitting through a function just to go to the network after or sitting through a full uh, concert twice this past, in the past two weeks, I, I just left halfway through and I was like super happy about it. Yeah. And not in like a indignant, like, oh, I didn't like what was happening. It's like, oh, I've received what I wanted out of this. It's okay for me not to just slog through for the hopeful learning moment or whatever, I even enjoyed it. And I left it in a mission. I'm like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, why run things to the yeah. ground? Yeah, it's like, I, 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 I checked the boxes, I saw it, I supported it, I'm happy. Right. But I don't, you know, I can, we can now choose, 
be a little more picky of our more valuable resource of time and energy. Who are some people that you look up to that may, it doesn't have to be just common. And they don't have to be in the room. You could just. I mean, Shiloh for one. Puppy, I would love to relax as much as he does. Uh, Who do I look up to? Like in terms of like, is there an Um, online creator that you really admire? Comedian or. I mean, I have my, I have comedians I love as yeah, comedians. Who do, like, yeah. I mean. Who do you look up to? Some of my favorite comedians, I'll just say, are, I love Gary Goleman. Oh, Maria Bamford. Gary's really great to follow, awesome. too, because he gives a lot of advice. Like, he's just very um, calming to follow. Mm-hmm. He's, like, a lot of nice writer advice. And he's just sort of living a nice, huh. nice existence, at least from the outside. Which uh, platform? Which platform? Uh, he was posting follow. writing tips on Twitter every on day Twitter. for a wow. year. I don't know if he's doing wow. it anymore, but they're all there. Check it out. Wow. Yeah, okay. check out his Twitter. I will and do that. I really admire Maria Bamford as a performer. She's just so she's un- sorry, so unique is redundant. She's unique. And- <laughs> <laughs> We're all about and- grammar here on the fake news. Yeah, she's a wordsmith. Comedians, okay. I really, the- really um, look up to and admire. And uh-huh. I don't know. I always feel weird. I'm sure I'll think of like a bunch of no, it's after okay. this. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I look up you. to you guys. You guys are such uh, hustlers, and you're doing your thing. Trevor so is I'm just like giving this question, like, like, huh? Giving me this look. Yeah, just like I, see what the audience like, can't see is I've got the guns just here, like placed on the like you better the table. Say, pointing, like, <laughs> just remember, shout us out. <laughs> I think I have a mental pathology because did you see what happened to my face? It looked like she had physically hit mine was like like, I was a, like, it was like a, a constipated <laughs> like, I, I don't know why i can't take i have trouble receiving things like that mm, I, I, I get that too that. yeah yeah I like, and you know what okay this is a weird one too i w- just watched the taylor swift documentary on uh-huh. Netflix really? on a plane i downloaded it on my phone to watch on the plane yeah. and i have to say like i i mean her music is 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 what it is. It's not yeah. my favorite personal uh-huh. music personally. I respect what she does, but as a person and an artist, she's someone who is really at least in this documentary. It seems like she's trying to be the best person she can be mm-hmm. with whatever she's doing, and I I have to admire that because there are so many narcissists and like horrible people in the world who have platforms and are just toxic, whether it's in politics or in the arts. Mm-hmm. And to see like Taylor Swift being like, oh, she's like she is really trying to like calculate her next moves. One for her career, but also like because she cares about humanity. Like it's just very clear. So I have to say, I, I'm I newly look up to Taylor Swift for that. I respect that, and she's taking. You're seeing more and more artists like taking stands on things for her values, communicating to the audience, and understanding the place in what is, of course, you know, the big black sea of abyss of social media and an online presence, and to navigate that, particularly at such a critical part of their lives. These aren't yeah. people who have lived a life and then become famous. They right. grew up with the the eye, the gaze always on them. Right, when she when Taylor Swift came out politically, she was like this will change the course of my career, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, yeah. changing it drastically, I don't know, yeah. but people are going to react. It's not like you said, she's not like some 75-year-old who's enjoyed like Yeah, who her can career just, and now you know, just like do whatever. Fuck Trump, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bet, but, Bet Midler on, yeah, on Twitter right, just right. like jump it. I mean, like, there's no risk. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> What's your opinion on that? I would love to hear, because this is something that I'm really trying to understand for myself. And it's like artist is activist, you know, artist is a citizen, right? Oh, yeah. Like, for real. <laughs> it's that book none of us read. Wow. So, <laughs> Nina Simone's a great example of somebody who I think... Just had a birthday. Yeah, she just had a birthday, so that's why she's on my mind. And I saw her documentary on Netflix, and she really was 
uh, active in like very socially we've talked about it on the mm-hmm. podcast in terms of like civil rights and like going against the establishment she was pretty revolutionary in a lot of ways she played concerts to support these notions when do you think it is like you're too big to not have is there a too big to not use your platform for that do are we required to do that no, i think i think it's whenever it slaps you in the face like uh, i think at least, again, to bring up the Taylor Swift documentary. Great documentary. I'm going to sponsor the show. Yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> she was sort of expressing, like, I, I feel like I have to do this. And if she didn't do it, she would have felt like she was doing something wrong mm-hmm. by not speaking out, I think. So I think it's just whenever that is that moment is for the specific person. Like, right now, first of all, I don't have a big enough platform to really make a difference if I were to post about politics. Mm-hmm. I also have to admit that I'm not... I mean, obviously, I, I have my views, but I'm not as well inf- as well informed as I could be about details and, you know, which... Can- so I oscillate still between, like, which candidate I'm supporting and I don't have... So I would also have to, like, really do a lot more of my research to, to know exactly what I was standing for. Because if I came out right now and just said, like, go vote for Bernie, like, mm-hmm. I do like what I hear of what Bernie has to say, but I still don't know if he's the, the one I support yet. Like, yeah. I have to do more reading to make sure I do my homework. So mm-hmm. I think it's a mixture of like knowing you did it's your homework and yeah. feeling this gut thing. Like I, sh- I should do this because I have a platform and I could mm-hmm. actually make a difference, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not everyone is politically inclined and it's, it's, it's not for everybody. And there's so. not, and everyone doesn't, every moment doesn't have to be that moment. Like right. it is okay to live a life. It is okay to turn the, it's not even okay. It is encouraged to be healthy. And so someone who, I, over the course of the years, I've just been more and more, I consume too much political stuff. I listen to multiple podcasts. At some moment, I spend more time dealing with political stuff and reading about it and thinking about it than music or actual career. And yet, I listen to, again, another podcast talking about even still, I'm a hobbyist. Because I'm not out there knocking on doors, actually making a difference. I think this person was talking about, we now have more access to these political shows to think about it. It's pop the political is pop culture now but yet yeah, people are running around beating beating each other up and just hating each other but we're all actually still just hobbyists i put in hours it's a big it really is just a big hobby of mine it's sports you listen to it they're talking about other sides and one of the things instead of making me more not aggressive but more willing i've actually like slowed down i talk publicly way less about political things even though i consume a lot more into that kind of like informed tier. I was just telling y'all we, we're, we're recording things slightly differently because I went to the widest thing ever, an NPR <laughs> politics live podcast recording. I paid money, lots of money to go watch them record a NPR politics podcast live recording. What a loser. You're a nerd, You're a nerd dude. Nerd, but I, 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 I put in hours and the one thing it made me realize though mm-hmm. is actually to be more forgiving because I now know how much time I sink into and I'm addicted to it. I like it. It interests me, mm-hmm. but kind of the framing of like, oh, this is my hobby. I can't expect, I put in so much time and I still don't know what's going on. Right. Uh, and I still have to think about these things. How could you expect anyone else to go about their day and then put in this much time into it as well? Like you, you, you can't know everything. You can't make the right decision. Uh, and even being informed and really keeping track of the rat race and what, what crazy things happening now uh 
I just know that's my conscious choice to sink time into that. And I wouldn't expect anyone else to do just as much of that because we need people to live in this earth if every, <laughs> and right. to keep society going. Uh, if everyone was following following these things as closely as, oh, you should, it's the, the kind of, like nothing else would get done. And we'd all just be spinning in a political, well, that's miserable that's circle. Twitter, dude. <laughs> that's, that's life. You know, there's yeah. never a moment of actually like, enjoying the fruits of our labors yeah. and like, like in new york there's always construction it'll never be done mm-hmm. right this it's always building and always like i was just thinking you know and it's like we're always anticipating another holiday come every it's always yeah. in anticipation for something once christmas is over then they put out what Val- valentine's day mm-hmm. stuff then after valentine's day it's mm-hmm. easter there's always got to be something we're getting ready for rather mm-hmm. than just today is today Mm-hmm. Like Enjoy we're just the sitting here enjoying it's ourselves. To distract from the ever impending. But that's uh, not yeah. how that's not how Western yeah. culture is. Like, or yeah. most of culture isn't like that anymore. I think mm-hmm. it's very it's an old thing that yeah. just sort of live in a more like meditative. We're in the now. Like this, we're very like a Buddhist approach yeah. that's not very popular yeah. in our culture. No. Even though I mean, even now, meditation is. Commercial. Well, that's exactly yeah. right. You the one thing was like, James be yeah. doing a commercial for Calm. Oh, yeah. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, and then once you do it, it's Can like, I, I did. If I listen to Calm, <laughs> the, the problem is once I meditate, if I get into a group where I'm meditating every day, then I'm just like, I'm meditating every day. Look at me. Mm-hmm. And then I want to like talk about it. And, like, and then you want to keep your about, streak alive. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my so God, it's actually days. like not having the real effect that it That's should. That's not meditation. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, sure. I Maybe my anxiety will be a little less because I've mm-hmm. taken that moment. Maybe my body would learn to respond to the daily meditation in a way that's like a sort of Pavlovian response. Okay, this mm-hmm. is your time to whatever. But it's all mayhem. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, what were you, you were saying? Oh, you were saying you can't, like, this, like, rat race, and, like, you mm. can't, you, you want people to just live on this earth. When do we get to just live on this earth? We don't, might, we might Never. not have that luxury anymore because yeah. we've screwed it up so badly, but. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we might not have earth for much longer, yeah. so maybe we should. <laughs> okay. I've been trying to do more, be- I'm going to start doing more beach dates. Beach dates? Mm-hmm. I had an idea. I was like, why do I have to spend all this money? To we live in Los Angeles. When you could already see the girl half naked. Yeah, on yeah the beach that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm this is fucking great. up, dude. I've been lifting yeah. weights. Like, I, I could take forget Forget this exercise, cool. dinner, great conversation. Let's just go get us, a picnic. Oh, let's let's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was just like, get some tacos. Yeah. And we go to the beach. Just Uber Eats to the beach. So, oh, yeah. Just chill out. Just put our feet in the water and flirt. Like, that mm. sounds way better than. Speaking of, of, of dating, so. One thing we've kind of hinted at, and feel free we can pass, but in both music and particularly in comedy, you hear about all the time in comedy, both these fields, a lot of the people in them deal within like the darkness. Like there's a lot of, a lot of like de- either depression, anxiety, problems. And particularly in comedy, we see it out there front and center. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll talk about it. Uh, Neil Brennan just going on with his three mics set and almost all of them will come in and speak about it. And it's it's not really talked about in classical music as much. Of course, society as a whole is opening up. Right. But you, have, again, have a unique perspective in that you are in two fields uh, where that's lived with, spoken about, concealed. What's it like dwelling in the darkness? Dwelling in the... Well, yeah, I will say comedy has made me a lot more aware of my own issues and maybe that mm-hmm. I could seek help and because mm. music it, 
at least a few years ago when I was only immersed in classical music, it was not encouraged. Mm-hmm. There were therapists mm-hmm. at Juilliard, but I never thought to go to one. No, I never went. That? I regret Can it. Can you believe that? Like I regret therapy. it. Yeah, I me too. Known. And I go to therapy now and I, I take really good care of myself and I have experimented. I've, I've taken like medication for anxiety. Mm-hmm. It, I ended up having like an allergic reaction, went off it. Oh, uh, of course, but, that's just And I took it for hypochondria, which, which is hilarious because uh, it's like, <laughs> I was like, I have a rash. I think it's a. Uh, the jokes sound I better the jokes, some more. Yeah. The jokes write themselves. Sometimes. I know. But, but yeah, it's comedy is nice because so many comedians now are open about it and it's it's becoming much more sort of accepted in, in that mm-hmm. community and i mentioned maria bamford she's a big pioneer of uh awareness of mental health and she she had her struggle that she made her whole show about it's really good on netflix yeah I, I keep getting served ads for it or oh, inter- yeah. like interview oh her well her new, pod, her new podcast okay yeah, that's this why. is a show that is no longer oh, okay uh being made but it, there's two seasons of it on netflix called lady dynamite but yeah she has what's your ailment that's all about mental health now because I, I wasn't as familiar with her, and I watched like a lot of, of stand-up. But then recently, I was like, who is this? And specifically yeah. on these topics. She's just a great person to follow if you're like dealing with your own mm-hmm. shit. Because she's just gone through it and, and come out in such a... At least from the outside, it seems like she's come out on the other side and mm-hmm. is, ha- is, is okay now. Mm-hmm. And it's very comforting to sort of just consume what she puts out there. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I... Who are some other female comics that I should be watching and aware of? Um, who, who Nate? Who do you like? That I love Michelle Wolf. Michelle Wolf is great. Oh, oh she's, she's great. Nikki Glazer is killer. Nikki, I love Nikki Glazer. Nikki Glazer is killer. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. Nanette, that was great. Oh yeah, Hannah Gadsby. That was great. She's, I don't know Hannah Gadsby or not. She, she has the the special on Netflix called Nanette that was very. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was it, it really popped up. Really? Yeah, because it's like half. It's it's all under the umbrella of comedy, but it's there's a lot of very serious things. A really well designed show too. Yeah, how she circles things back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think did it. There was a bunch of good specials that year. Did it like win the what, what's the, I guess the biggest award like an Oscar, or Grammy, or Grammy, whatever? Would it be like an Emmy for maybe Netflix? the Emmy? Yeah, yeah, I think she she got it. Okay, and because there was another maybe it was like a Chappelle thing. Chappelle I don't know. It was a good year. Show, it was a good year for Grammy. Yeah. Uh, um, but um, Janelle James is great. Have you I heard of her? her. She's yeah. she has one of those. Uh, Netflix has like fifteen minute specials. Like they're, uh, I think it's called the lineup or some comedy yeah. lineup. She uh-huh. has one on there, and oh, you awesome. can just YouTube her. She, I think she opens for Amy Schumer a lot. Oh, that's awesome. She's she's great. Uh, man, there's so it's like ugh. it's um, it's for me. You know, here, here's the thing is, is like I I go back and I listen to these podcasts. Yeah. and Learn shit. Right. From yeah. my guests. This is how we, we fake notes. We yeah, actually just, we don't <laughs> write them out. So I just them. wanted it on the record because yeah. they got it on the record. <laughs> on the, let the record show. Let the record show. These are female comics. No, because like that is something that I don't think uh, enough people really pay attention to is like actually looking out for female comics for comics of color yeah and like get making sure that you put a spotlight on spotlight on them yes because i'm a i'm a black dude and like i see the world in a specific way and so i try to get out of that we and we as in the listeners too who we should check out who are not big names who might have some content out there like who should we look at and then in 10 years they'll be like thank you for sharing yeah, I mean, I have friends, you know, like there's a, a comedian named Katie Hannigan. She'll probably like rise up, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's a great comedian and, name. 
sidebar. And then someone who, who's like on midway, like she, she is like established, mm-hmm. but you probably haven't. Sarah Tolomash. She's married to Joe List, who's also a very funny comedian who I remember. I've heard him. I've He's heard a little him. more yeah. of a, a known name. Joe List, how can you not remember that name? But uh, <sighs> yeah, he's great. Uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, do you know? Uh, so many others. There's yeah. a, I can there, make a list. Make, make a, a list. Google Doc and, we'll and share it with you. We'll show. put it in show notes. It's just like a hundred <laughs> random names. Yeah, yeah. Docs them. Yeah, just right. addresses, phone numbers. <laughs> I, do you know, have you ever heard of Josh Johnson? That name sounds very familiar. He's a, he's a brother with like an afro. I think like I've seen nerdy. him. Yeah. yeah he, I've recently come across his stuff on social media, like yeah. YouTube and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's incredible and he's yeah. about to do his first special. Oh, nice. There we go. So, like, it's really cool to see, like, him rise up. Oh, it is yeah. nice to see I love it. seeing people grow. Yeah. To see, again, because of these Netflixes, these Hulus, like, how much money they sank into comedy. I mean, it hasn't come without controversy. And then they're talking about pulling some of that money because of like backlash against Chappelle and these other, other things. But whatever is great. But it is it is nice to see it's getting another another, I don't know, if tier of respect or recognition within pop culture where it's becoming forward. And in fact, comedy is how a lot of things are getting talked about that aren't really getting talked about anywhere else or taken taken light with these Chappelle shows, with these Hannah Gatsby's, with Neil mm-hmm. Brennan emerging and like some of these people it's kind of nice seeing it that it it's now the catalyst it's always done that right but it seems to be at least to me more present now people who wouldn't who wouldn't swim in those circles or watch that type of content because it's so easy to get now they wouldn't have gone out and bought a special they wouldn't have stayed up or flipped to comedy central to watch this now it's on netflix and they're watching this and they're like oh is is that person gonna go there and they they do and it might I don't know. It seems to be making inroads in that type of field. In in the age of like social media and cancel culture, as a comedian, it's an emerging even more localized. Are there are there some people yourself um, for fear of like that weird mob that mm, seems not... to hit com- comedians? I'm not too worried for myself. Mm-hmm. I I really. The, the more I write, the, the cleaner I'm getting. Not yeah. that clean means not no, offensive, yeah. but I don't think I'm super at risk for that just because I, I care about people so and I, I don't ever want to hurt someone. Uh-huh. So I don't yeah. think I would. I, I, could under, I could imagine me saying something that got misconstrued or that I worded poorly, mm-hmm. trying to be a little edgy. And then mm-hmm. it like. And my earlier comedy was a lot. Thank yeah, God, there's none of that out there because I, 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 I saw you with what, some of the yeah, comedy. yeah. And I'm not. I'm I'm moving away from that because I I kind of like, I like the creative challenge of of being a little cleaner and mm-hmm, and yeah. just every, everything the is limits. a little more like I don't know. I just want people to have fun and enjoy the show. Yeah. I don't want to like alienate people. Mm-hmm. I also don't want anyone else to feel like they have to be censored though. And like yeah. cancel culture is scary. It's also just like, look, you're putting your stuff on the internet. Everyone has a voice now because everyone has a Twitter if they want. So it's not that people are more easily offended. It's just that the ones who are offended can speak out now. So it is just what it it is. is. And like, you kind of have to just take responsibility for what you say. And and if you stand by, if you don't think it was wrong and it was misconstrued, then fine, just stand by it. 
But if you're someone, there have been some people who have been canceled recently where it's like, wow, they were kind of a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) It's like, it's case by case. And obviously, like I said, there's anything that has a a good side is going to have a bad side. Like with canceling, like. It's it's nice when like someone who's clearly just like a dirt bag and you're just like gets hell canceled. yeah yeah but then on the other side there are people who like do something really maybe they just made a mistake yeah. and they should be forgiven and they apologize but they're still ruined now because yeah. that's how it is it, it seems to be we we've talked off and on a bunch about this just because of like the people we watched that it will at some point sort itself out and then we'll be onto a new some other new crisis uh, in in society or whatever right. but it. The what's at least nice about it, I think it reminded me of a line John Mulaney did some interview, I think it was on Colbert, and he was talking about how he's always, they always say, he's like, oh, he's a clean comic. And he's just like, I'm not a clean comic. And he's like, and then I thought about it. <laughs> as long as you quote someone else saying something horrible, yeah, uh, they think you're clean. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, instead you just, my friend said this, blah, blah, yeah, instead yeah. of yeah. I said, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a funny trick, actually. I, and I do a lot of, like, my friend said this rather than <laughs> this is yeah. how it is, you know. Yeah. Like, idiot who said that. <laughs> in, in, in some way, so when you're doing... You said earlier in the conversation, I really wanted to delve a little deeper in this, is like you went away from writing exact scripts uh-huh. to like more like fluid concepts. And then you would record yourself and just try to be as loose as possible with the delivery. Is that how you develop like tags and like little through lines? and Sometimes. Comments? It's yeah. a mix of writing on stage and writing um, by myself. Uh-huh. It, it can happen in any moment. Sometimes on stage, a tag just comes to me yeah. and then it, it stays in the act. Yeah. It's no longer, it was only improvised that one time and now it's yeah. in the act. But then a lot of it is like written down in a coffee shop. I'm like, oh, I'll listen back and I'll think of a tag then. So, Does that, do, what kind of feeling is that when you like kind of off the hand come up with like a genius like moment? Like, what, <laughs> I in, don't know. In the audience, <laughs> like, like, like this entire podcast conversation. Right. Something right. you never Losing said before and now people are like knowledge. peeing themselves. Like what's that The like? best feeling is when it happens in the moment on stage yeah. for sure. Because yeah. it's like they can tell it's spontaneous. You, yeah. It's like that just happened. That's a moment that will kind of. Never happened again, but now I have this line that I can use. That's mm-hmm. great. It's like, I mean, it's an amazing feeling. That's why I do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's all for like, like I, I don't know. You hear people like being accused of like stealing jokes and sometimes it it is the case and sometimes it is just parallel thinking. But I always yeah. think like, man, I would never want to steal a joke because half the reason I do this is because I love coming up with the damn stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. why would yeah. I steal a joke? I, I could come up with something that's similar by accident and then mm-hmm. want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But why would How anyone do, do that? that? Well, it just happens. And do you like consult friends? Be like, hey, have you heard had a, heard a sometimes? A like sometimes this? I'm like, this came to me too easily. Maybe, yeah. and then, or sometimes I'll just hear someone say something similar. I'll be like, eh, mm-hmm. I'll change it because I don't want to have a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Well, even plus to that, bringing it back to like a Max Richter, like the opening of On the Nature of Daylight is one of our most common chord progressions, right. and yet, starting from the same point comes up with a uniquely beautiful thing. There's a reason right. why his compositions all over everyone's films and not other things. Right. So you could even- And it's because he has a publicist. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, because, it's because he invested money and has a <laughs> deal with no. Deutsche Grammophon. <laughs> there's more on the story. For- <laughs> but when you're assessing these videos, uh, how are you breaking these down? Because it could be easy to be, what got laughs, what worked, 
But also every audience is different. Uh, maybe that joke worked well because you killed it earlier. Maybe you bond, like how do you break down all these assessments? Are you really, when you're going in and you're putting on the headphones and you're watching the video, are you just trying to purely please yourself and like your mm. goals? Are you the audience when you're assessing this? Right. I'm the audience and every audience is really different. And I go up in front of a lot of crappy audiences mm -hmm. where it's like you shouldn't take them not laughing necessarily as that it's a bad idea. And what I do is I'll just do the same joke like 20 times. So after 20 times, you'll know if it's generally getting laughs or not, whether or not it's a good audience. So you just <laughs> it's a lot of repetition in stand up. So mm. that's how I that's like the ultimate judge is like if this joke just keeps bombing. Mm -hmm. That's Probably I should change it, even mm -hmm. if I think it's funny. Like mm -hmm. maybe there's a disconnect. I'm not being clear enough with this, so mm -hmm. the punchline isn't hitting, mm -hmm. or it's just a little overdone, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's a mix of like me do doing what I think is funny and being the audience, but then also like using like audiences over time as the mm -hmm. ultimate. How is so you've got like an artistic family, artistic brother in the field? Like you're mm -hmm. surrounded by creatives, and you've grown up your whole life in New York. Uh, what's it like? Do they, do they come to shows a lot? They do. Do they see? They're so supportive. And it's how is that? Because <laughs> it's gotta be tricky too. be, I, I think about this, like my parents aren't, weren't in any, anything creative, did their jobs, very simple, North Carolina, lovely parents. And it's great to have them as a metric for me to weigh things against that. I have kind of the quote, unquote, I always had the, I had the test audience built in right. because they have no training versus <laughs> you, you have artistic creatives who their whole job they've gone through and you know been very critical and learned and studied the study crafts and and understand performance and all these things how is having that they they come in with <laughs> they come trained to your yeah, show especially with music because they're all music musicians uh my mom not professionally but she still plays Excuse me, got the hiccups. Um, <laughs> that would hurt sometimes because they would be like kind of brutally honest about music performances and wouldn't always sugarcoat it, mm -hmm. which I think is there has some good things and bad things about that. With comedy, it's a little more like this is my thing and they don't know shit. <laughs> but they are smart people yeah. and like comedically inclined. And, mm -hmm. and I I think I take their opinions just the way I take most, which like I'll I'll hear it if they have something to say and I'll consider it, but ultimately like I know best. But ultimately, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes like they have a good point. Like my dad said the other day, like I felt like you were delivering like a little slower than usual. And I don't know if that worked as well. And he was kind of right. Like I thought about mm -hmm. it. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of getting like tired and bogged down because I'm doing these longer sets. So I was trying to like stretch it out. Mm -hmm. So then I like punched it up again and I was like killing harder. I was like, that was a good comment, dad. But it's not like I listened to every, I had to consider it myself first mm. and like take it at, as what it the, was. Another reason why I brought that up, it wasn't why I brought it up, but now I think about it. So Amy, my partner, her younger brother is doing comedy. Okay. And so he's young. We're talking, I think he just turned 21. Oh, wow. And comedy's the thing he's stuck with really the longest because he's, you know, goes to, to film school, hops around discs, his computers, and he really has stuck to comedy. He goes out almost every night on the street, doing sets, bringing people to it. And he's done it for years. He started here and he moved back to New York to continue on. So he takes it very seriously. And his particular brand of comedy that he started off with is more performance already, uh, so to speak, like getting up there and, you know, like 
just listing off like the 10 different 10 types of clouds and or or like sings a song with Kim the lyrics the same this. he's got a, a funny one because i think it's layers because i'm used to these weird thing you know he's just like and the cow goes and everyone goes boo and he does this for five minutes and then leaves uh, so, <laughs> so it's it's in that vein but one of the things that's that i just noticed was hard too is because the rest of his family were not in that creative field too mm-hmm. so it's more similar to mine and so they all right. give him a hard time because he'll go up there and say like like this insane joke or he's like proposing some insane idea and so I'm sitting there I'm like okay like this is gonna be fine and I'll laugh at it and they'll be like stop encouraging him you know like right. not to like not do comedy they love that he's doing it yeah, but he'll yeah. just be like he, he'll pay I'm gonna crack an egg into, I'll pay somewhat five bucks for me to like crack an egg into your mouth and I'm like because <laughs> right. I'm laughing at the joke I'm like that's, right. if I was sitting there I think that's ludicrous and that's why it's funny right. and they're like Stop encouraging right, right, him. Right. And he'd be like, I've already done it. Six people have eaten the eggs. You know? But anyways, <laughs> like to, yeah. to go in that, it's neat hearing about how to assess feedback because he hasn't stopped doing those things. And he does workshop it. Uh, I'm going to make sure he, he'll, like, if he's going to listen to an episode, like this is yeah, one. Yeah, this is definitely. Oh, yeah, um, so he does a lot of, like more like, sounds like alternative kind of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, so he goes That's up great. and does this. It's it's in the comedy clubs. It's and he's even shared me with some of the voicemails from the booking people. They're like, yeah, or the emails. Like, yeah, like you just went up there and like talked about cows for five minutes. Just, you know, make sure to like uh, mix. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I your subject. Ultimately, like that's it's great that he's sticking to what he wants to yeah. do. But still, you have within that like like you can't just be like this is what I'm Determined, doing. Yeah. And I'm not changing it. Like, you have to be malleable and be willing to like improve because you mm-hmm. could always improve. And especially with comedy where you do need an audience reaction, you have to at least value the audience reaction a little bit. Again, do it over time because some audiences just won't laugh at anything. Mm-hmm. You don't want to scrap something that might actually be good. But yeah. like, always be keeping in mind, what do I want? Are they liking it? Can I find the marriage of what I like and that they like? Is that really a thing like some audiences are just like... Oh, yeah. I will do Cold. a set where it's like I do jokes that have killed hundreds of times mm-hmm. and I'll throw I'll, I'll be doing new stuff and I'm like, well, this isn't working. And then I'll do an old joke to see and yeah. it, that doesn't work Feel either. And I'm just like, OK, well, this audience is just not in the right mood uh. or the timing is off, whatever. It doesn't mean I need to scrap all these jokes. Yeah. Maybe I could change some things on the newer stuff, but I'm not going to like change my A material because one bad audience didn't laugh. And we get that from music land, too. Uh, yeah. Depending on the audience, they could be fervent classical music fans, and that might actually be I can worse. Never please, though. Right. I can yeah, never like that's what I say. That might actually be worse. And we bump into that new music uh, land all the time because mm-hmm. often we just assume like the weirdest sounding piece is the one everyone hates, and then bringing in and I like bringing people who have no experience, no context. Often they like the weirdest thing, and because I'll sit there and I give them like the disclaimers, I'm like, okay, this next thing is gonna be, oh. right. and I stop doing disclaimers. I just yeah. watch some experience, and for even Amy, I took her to some Beyond the Machine concert, so it's yeah. all electronics, and she liked the weirdest thing because it was entertaining. The guy playing on the iwi electric wind instrument, he was just making <laughs> like insane this. sounds, and I could tell the student just threw it together at the last minute, and so right. it just sounds bonkers. And she liked. She's like, I don't know, it was just kind of interesting. Yeah. And just not having that preconceived notion. Little kids love the ride of spring. They like it way more than any old old people are like, oh, I hate I all this hate contemporary it. music. And I'm like, it's a hundred years old. But I hated little kids Beethoven love it. When I was a kid. Yeah. I hated Beethoven. Like the taste changed, but the audience yeah. the audience is a big part of that. And it just seems 
in music, the audience gets considered less so than in comedy, where, like musicals, Stephen Sondheim said, the audience is the final collaborator. Mm. They are part of the... That's his yes. favorite phrase, and I... I don't know anything else he said, so I just repeat that line. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems comedy even more so. There's less in-betweens. Musicals, the you know, months and production writers team circle here. Like right. comedy, it's it's essentially what you directly feed into them. You go, you see an audience every night, and they're a huge part of your process. Right. They're everything. Yeah. So if something keeps getting like zero laughs, even if I think it's a fucking great idea, mm. I'm going to scrap it or ch- or edit it. But if I do something that like sometimes gets a laugh or sometimes only like a couple people are like, cackling, I'm like, okay, well, they would be like my fans if I were famous. Like mm-hmm. they like my stuff. So I'm going to like keep this, but maybe so you change do shelf it. things. And, I like, shelf things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. Like one can dream. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you say sometimes you'll try out new material and then you'll. So you have like a set of jokes that are tried and true. And then you have a set that you're trying to build up to try to get those to that other bin. Yeah, and I mean, the ones in the tried and true, they are always open for edits as well. Yeah, it? yeah, but yeah. it's a little more like, okay, I know these jokes work yeah, in yeah, general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, and are then you, the other ones, I'm sort of rotating in and out. And yeah, once yeah. one of them gets good, they go into that tried and true yeah. bin. And it's more and more of those. And But I'm always putting in a new couple new things how do you keep track of all this because we're in a day and age of evernote and i have notes on my phone i have a notebook and then my head yeah it's all Mm kind of anything it's either in my phone notes like i have a bits folder where it's Uh all like every bit i have Mm -hmm. and then like just like some rambling and then a notebook where i like write it out more like where i when i'm listening back i have my notebook so that i can like oh i want to word it this way and then write it out kind of thing have you and you mentioned this earlier about you're going to start bringing your viola and your music world and kind of merging these together into some synthesis, at least having some bleed over, mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense. Cause now that you've, you've done enough of both kind of as their own entities, as you should like the training and to get to a certain level, like now you can have the happy marriage of the two. Uh, we're doing hand motion. Santa says, the green what? ending of Mass Effect. What are you? Be, so it seems like you can bring. You're going to bring your music to, to the comedic sphere. What have you thought about, or if any, or what type of what would it look like to bring your comedy into the music sphere the other way? Well, my last couple of years at Juilliard, whenever I gave a recital, I would always talk before the piece and like mm-hmm. say something funny. So I could imagine like doing a recital, but with just like a lot more talking. I mean, I just cause, and sort of a, a mixed performance where I talk about something funny about like Paul Hindemith before I play the- I'm Oh, Paulie, Paulie Do you remember the, uh, your uh, promo for your viola recital? My all Hindemith Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you I like remember that. side by yeah. side picture of Hindemith. Still genius. <laughs> I remember that years later. Oh, oh my God. so good. So, I mean, I don't, it's more about the comedy show being enhanced with a little music, I think, mm-hmm. rather than the music being enhanced by comedy. But I could see it going both ways for different things. Is that because of your interest? Or yes. as I can imagine, because I'd imagine reception wise, like comedy would be much more receptive or used to that. You know, other people bringing other things into their right. sphere as Musical opposed comedy. to music, you bringing comedy into that sphere. Like it's a very niche type of humor yeah Uh, i mean yeah comedy everyone's 
everyone's done people have done ludicrous things under the umbrella of comedy everything mm-hmm. is kind of accepted even if it's very weird mm-hmm. we're like oh it's comedy you know it's alternative comedy or whatever mm-hmm. um, I don't know I start performing like doing a set with the New York Phil behind me I don't know like what <laughs> would, would be the ultimate <laughs> I would love I'd pay money for that I'd pay too. <laughs> that would have to be it's just a roast like- it's a roast you just come in there and all you're doing is dumping oh my on gosh. all the New York Phil I would love to roast the New York Phil oh, God, too. <laughs> it should be incredible I'll fill All right, New York Phil, if you're listening, uh, do you want to go viral? Roast. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll viral. roast you. We'll bring in Jeff Ross. Oh my God! <laughs> and you and you just we'll put the New York Phil on a stage, sit him, put a crown on him, and just Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg <sighs> roast the Phil. Isabel, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for coming on. We really, we really could talk for forever, but we looking at the clock, we, we're, we're looking at we two hours. Roll out, we want to yeah, we want to roll out the carpet, go get some cupcakes. But like, uh, just once again on the tail end, where do you want people to find you? Where are you popping stuff out? The easiest is just to go to my website, which is isabelhagen.com. That has links to all my socials and upcoming dates. But if you want to go to Twitter or Instagram, it's uh, isabelhagen underscore. Because isabelhagen was taken. I got to change that one day. But for now, it's isabelhagen underscore on uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I don't really... Facebook's more of a private thing for me. I don't post shit on there. <laughs> gotcha. So you yeah, heard yeah. it. Everyone flock to Facebook. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can friend me on Facebook. Private. I probably won't accept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Facebook friend request is a nightmare. Yeah, it's like <laughs> no one. I don't check them anymore. I, I just, just leave it because it. it's like, ah, who uses Facebook for? I don't know. You heard it here first, much. folks. We're done with Facebook. <laughs> so thank you so much. I hope you're not done with podcast. Uh, also keep an eye out for Isabel's podcast. What's it called again? Uh, just a stage. Just the stage. It'll be posted on all my socials. All and socials. I don't know when this is coming out, but but. On March 11th, I will be on the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Hey, oh, what you will be doing? We'll Telling it. jokes. Telling jokes. So tune jokes. in. Oh, you my heard it. God. You heard it here, folks. March 11th. Well, we jokes. Get this We're definitely going to get this out for March 11th. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. When you announce it on IG, you keep an eye I want to pop that. I want to cool. pop that on IG, too. That means we're going to record more because we have a reason to say <laughs> it. We do yeah. plan these releases-ish. Well, we have two we'll pods. We, have we, two pods we, only, we only said a couple things that really date this uh, podcast. We got a special podcast coming up with another friend, too, so keep stay tuned. If you enjoyed this episode, remember, you know, five stars only. Otherwise, five it doesn't stars work. Only, Otherwise, it doesn't work. Or else it doesn't work. So a guy saw me with my viola, and uh, he was like, oh, that's a nice viola. And I was like, Said, no, you idiot, it's a viola. <laughs> Way off. And then he said, Oh, sorry. And I said, No, I'm sorry. That was an overreaction on my part. Then he said, No, I'm sure you get asked that a lot, and it's really annoying. And I said, Well, yeah, actually, thanks for understanding. Thanks for not hitting on me. And he said, Well, I was going to hit on you, actually. <laughs> That was my opening line, but I I got discouraged with the viola ukulele mixed up. (laughs) And I said, oh, well, let's do that. You actually seem like a pretty nice guy. And he just walked away. (laughs) I'm going to sing you a song now that I wrote. It's it's my fantasy of what men think of me when they see me on the street. It goes through their heads. Hey, who's that girl? She looks kind of different.
different, pretty, but different. Oh yeah. Hey, who's that girl over there? Does she even wash her hair? No, it doesn't appear so. But it still looks fine and even kind of sexy in an effortless way. So beautiful, she seems like someone I wanna meet Cause she looks kinda sad, and that's pretty rad Her clothes seem very practical The fact that they look cool is purely by chance She doesn't have time to look in the mirror Because she's too busy doing more important things like, I don't know Storing shit in mason jars What's that she's carrying? A ukulele? How neat <laughs> that when she sings, she sounds like nobody else because her voice is uniquely Thank you. <laughs> 